0: Lifestyle factors. A 28-year-old woman from Newport Pagnell, whose husband died of cancer, is fighting for the right to keep his sperm for longer. Beth Warren has until April 2015 to use his sperm if she wants to have children by him. Carol Abercrombie has more. The sperm's being kept in a clinic in Northampton, but by law can't be stored beyond April 2015. Before he died, Beth's husband, Warren Brewer, made it clear he wanted the sperm kept so his widow could have his children if she wished. Over the years, he kept renewing the official consent forms, but they were time limited and the consent will run out soon. And Beth, who's 28 years old, says she's not yet ready to have children. It's been revealed that a former UK Independence Party spokesman was jailed for seven years for leading a kidnap gang in Pakistan. Mujib Bhutto, who claimed political asylum in the UK, was UKIP's Commonwealth spokesman until last month. UKIP said Mr Bhutto resigned once the party became aware of his past. The full report of the Labour Party's internal inquiry into allegations of voting irregularities by the Unite Union in Fulkirk has been published by The Guardian. The report, which Ed Miliband has repeatedly refused to release, said there could be no doubt that members were recruited to manipulate the party's selection of a parliamentary candidate. The stepfather of a woman whose car disappeared down a sinkhole on their drive in High Wickham says it's only luck that they're covered by insurance. It can't be retrieved from the 30-foot drop in Walters Ash, where it's covered in rubble. Phil Conran says they assumed they would be covered, but that wasn't necessarily the case.
1: Fortunately for us, the, the gap had opened up under the house, and because therefore the house was at risk, we were covered. Uh, had the, the hole appeared uh, you know, 10 metres into the drive, away from the house, we wouldn't have been covered.
0: In football, Chelsea have drawn level on points in the Premier League title race with Manchester City after beating their rivals 1-0 at the Etihad Stadium. And the weather, mostly dry with broken cloud and sunny spells. The odd isolated shower this morning and getting windy this afternoon with a high of 8 Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash threecounties.
2: Donald Crowhurst. Donald Crowhurst was the gentleman that pretended to um, circumnavigate the globe on a boat, but didn't. Sorry, it's been bugging me all morning. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots to talk about this morning, and as always, I'm keen to have your thoughts. A former Hertfordshire policeman has been sentenced to 12 months for handing out his own on-the-spot fines. He'd stop cars and say, look, it's three points or you give me a few quids. It was almost the perfect con until he tried it with someone from a police family. A Buckinghamshire widow is fighting for the right to bear her late husband's children. She's not ready for a family, but under current regulations, only has until next April to use his sample unless she can convince the High Court of his wishes. And we catch up with the family who saw their Volkswagen disappear into a 30-foot sinkhole. If they don't move that car soon, they're going to get a ticket! That joke, courtesy of Jeremy Vine. And when I say joke, I just mean sentence. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can uh, send me a text, 81333, start your text 3CR, or give me a call, 08459 455 555, dun to
3: Across beds, hearts and bucks.
4: This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Look at the state of that.
5: Thanks, mate. Don't objectify me.
4: It wasn't you, Kath. Oh.
5: Objectify me!
2: It's them Beatles. Now, here's an interesting story. A former Hertfordshire policeman has been jailed for 12 months for handing out his own on the spot fines. Traffic officer Irfan Hussain from Stevenage told speeding drivers they'd avoid points by paying up. Then he put the cash in his own back pocket. Hussain, who has since resigned, admitted one count of misconduct in public office, three counts of fraud, and three counts of perverting the course of justice. I'm joined now by Sophie Khan, who's a solicitor and legal director of a charity called the Police Action Centre, which provides independent advice in cases of police misconduct. What do you make of this one, Sophie? It's something
6: like there's a pattern now with, um, you know, the level of trust levels that we have with the police... And whether we can really trust the police and um, whether there is enough um, supervision and management of the officers um, either on the, on, the, on the traffic or in anywhere, on the you know, patrols or um, you know, outside Buckingham Palace.
2: If a copper stops you and says, right, you can either have three points or you give me 60 quid, you're, you're going to pay the money, aren't you? You, you? you wouldn't question it, or most people wouldn't question it.
6: No one would question it because the officer is there upholding the law and if they think that a crime has been committed and you're going to trust the officer to, to believe, you know, what he's just said to you and it's uh, in a sort of fortunate case that's happened but in the end the officer has been found out and he has accepted what he did was wrong and this, he's been sentenced. This is, uh,
2: uh, this is a one-off though. We can't uh, start to believe that this is uh, endemic within the police force, can we?
6: No, there is a pattern now. It's not just um, the office in Hertfordshire, the incidents outside um, Downing Street, and there's been a number of incidences across the country um, where it shows that, you know, the trust levels and, and, and the the abuse of the, the, the police officers' power, um, you know, is it has become endemic, and it's something that needs to be looked at very carefully, and there needs to be proper supervision and management of the officers' um that are, you know, patrolling the streets and also, you know, handing out any kind of fines to see whether they are uh, following the law.
2: Who's who's watching the watchmen, Sophie? Who's watching the police? How do we know we can trust them?
6: At the moment, I, I think there's not enough control, mm. there's not enough management. and The IPCC are there. When things go wrong, you can go there. And you can make a complaint to them, but they themselves can't look at every single um, complaint there is. There's organisations like mine, um, and there's also civil claims you can bring um, in courts, which try to hold the police to account. But I think there is a vacuum, um, there isn't enough supervision, there's not enough management, there's not enough accountability, and this is why these kinds of incidences happen.
2: What kind of incidents are you hearing then at Police Action Centre?
6: The, the, it ranges from um, someone being stripped in a custody cell um, because um, they may not have fo- followed some kind of orders, or well, stripped or naked. Stripped naked in a police oh. cell or in, in their cell, um, not no, no drug-related la- um, offence. Um, you know, just to demoralise and humiliate them. And mm. uh, there was an incident in Kent um, last week where um, officers were seen punching a man in, in a Debenham store and they've been, you know, sentenced for... They've been charged for uh, perversion the course of justice. Um, the incidents outside the Downing Street, you know, where the officers um, may have fabricated the evidence out there. So there's, there's a lot of incidents around the country, um, you know, that, that I know of and that are in public... in the public view... So there is a pattern now that there is a lack of supervision and accountability for the officers that are patrolling and you know f- you know finding us.
2: But Sophie these 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 have to be uh, exceptions don't they? We we, we have to th- the believe that the majority of police officers are not corrupt and not bent and not dodgy.
6: I, I don't think it's the majority yet but I think there's a large number of uh, officers that um, think that because um, uh, then there isn't a, there there isn't the supervision and accountability that they may be able to get away with um, you know bending the law, but at the end of the day you know they do get caught. Um, it doesn't go away, uh, and it shows that you know the the legal system does work. Uh, and even holds the police to account but it's only when you know there is a case in court there is a civil claim or there is a criminal case that we can then find out the real um you know the real reasons as to why this happened before that there seems to be this uh, uh, unaccountable vacuum um which you know needs to be looked at so that these kind of incidents don't don't
2: occur in the future. Sophie, I appreciate your time Sophie Kahn, Solicitor, Legal Director of a charity called the Police Action Centre, what do you think? There are examples of the police being pots. obviously this this gentleman here, Mr Hussain, but we have to believe that the majority of the police officers are good, decent human beings don't we? Otherwise we'd go mad, wouldn't we? Wouldn't we? I think we would Hey, I, I keep banging on about this CD that's on the cover of Mojo magazine yes. right. It's brilliant. It's, it's the faces It's the small faces and friends. Brilliant now, my two-year-old boy who is more at the moment into Alexander Armstrong singing some weird song, I don't know what it is, and, and the Postman Pat theme. Well, there was a song that popped up on this in the car the other day, and he just goes, Again, Dada. Played it again. Again, Dada. We played it tw- over twenty times. Again, Dada. This is do you wanna hear? It? This is Amen Corner. This is my boy's favorite this is my boy's favorite song at the moment. Hang on, again, so again, Dada. Again, Dada. Again, listen to this is brilliant. favourite song again again daddy he's got good taste hasn't he it's quite mm. nice that yeah oh hang on a second Bet?
7: I think I preferred Python Pat
2: look at
4: the state of that
7: <laughs>
4: <laughs> travel news for beds cards and bugs
7: BBC three counties radio Good morning. It's all looking pretty quiet out there at the moment, but there are some roadworks to watch out for. In Kingswood, the A41 has temporary traffic lights up between Grendon Road and Creighton Road. That's to build a new roundabout. And also in Potter's Bar, there are temporary traffic lights on Great North Road near Frampton Road. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alice.
2: Six sixteen. It's Tuesday, the 4th of February. I've got to renew my Paul McCartney in the 70s book. Otherwise, I'll be hit with my fourth fine in five months. (laughs) On to other headlines. A Hertfordshire policeman is starting a 12-year jail sentence for fining motorists and pocketing the cash. A woman from Newport Pagnell is fighting for the right to have her dead husband's children. In football, Chelsea achieved a 1-0 victory against Manchester City, putting them level on points. The weather, sunshine, isolated showers today becoming, oh, look out, breezy.
3: BC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday from three. Roberto Peroni.
8: Milton Keynes is smarter than average City and the borough has now been named as one of the five places invited to a smart cities forum. With the best local news stories. Bedford Hospital's leadership has been described as weak in a damning independent report into the problems in the paediatric department last summer.
3: With the best local talking points.
8: An ordinary postman from Watford had a dream that one day that he would raise enough money to build the first free independent hospital in his hometown in Pakistan. After three years of campaigning, hard campaigning, Houghton Regis Leisure Centre swoon Pool had been saved and would in fact be
2: reopened.
3: Roberto Peroni. Weekdays from 3 on BBC Three Counties Radio.
2: Catherine has uh, pointed out a, a, a significant fact, not that it's 21 years, hang on a second, not that it's 31 years since uh, Karen Carpenter died, no, oh. it's um, a, an even more significant uh, anniversary today. What's what's happening?
5: Ten years of Facebook. Hey,
2: uh, Facebook murdered Tom from MySpace! Remember Tom? Oh, I
5: remember Tom. Oh, he was kind of cute, wasn't he?
2: He was a cute geek, and he's he's probably lying in Augusta somewhere now, swigging from a bottle of meths, cursing Zuckerberg.
5: My former self has got a MySpace page somewhere.
2: I've got. Should we all dig out our MySpace pages today? I
5: think I might have tried to delete it, but they never go. Do you they? can't
2: delete MySpace. It is not deletable. Have you got a MySpace page? Yes. Should we dig out our MySpace pages if we can remember where they are? Oh, I can't remember. I've only got three passwords, so I could probably work out mine pretty quickly. Uh, all right, I'm going to dig up my Where's MySpace. Huh?
7: What's your password?
2: M- oh, hey, come on now. I'm not telling you that. Uh, so, f- Facebook, ten years, what has Facebook done for us? Yeah. Kelly, what's it done for you?
7: Um, I get to see what my friends are doing without speaking to them.
2: Catherine, what's it done for you?
5: I got in touch with a few childhood friends... And, and, and Un no. got in touch with them again. But I also um, keep in touch with family that we weren't talking to and now we are.
2: There's a reason. There, I genuinely think there is a reason why you don't talk to people that you um, went to primary school with. There is a reason you don't talk to certain members of your family. And Facebook is um, perpetuating relationships that should be allowed to die naturally.
5: Oh, no, I don't think so.
2: Yeah, you're wrong.
5: No, I don't think no, so. You, no,
2: you, you're wrong. Well, yeah, I agree with you, you now you say that. Thanks, Catherine. What's your problem? You make me sick. You know,
9: every now and then I think you might like to hear something from us. Nice and easy. But there's just one thing, you see. We never, ever do nothing nice and easy. We always do it nice and rough. But we're going to take the beginning of this song and do it easy. But then we're going to do the finish. Right. That's the way we do Proud Mary. Rolling, rolling, rolling on the river. Listen to the story now. Left a good job in the
2: I can Tina Turner. Oh, blimey! A woman who lost her husband to cancer in 2012 is fighting for the right to bear his children. Warren Brewer had a sample of his sperm placed in storage before undergoing radiotherapy treatment in 2005. The problem is the fertility regulator's current rules mean it has to be used by next April or it will be destroyed. Well, Beth Warren hopes the High Court might show some leniency. We're joined now by Diane Blood, who uh, is giving her supports to Beth and also fought a similar battle nearly 20 years ago. Morning, Diane. Good morning. Just remind us of your story.
10: Um, My husband died of meningitis, and I wanted to bury his children after his death. Um, His sperm was stored, um, as in this case. But in my case, um, I didn't have any uh, options. If I didn't win the court case, Um, I was fighting for the right to um, either export his sperm or... Um, really find any route um, to enable me to have his children and um, i eventually won
2: how long did that battle take
10: um it took around two years from the start of my fight
2: there might be some people listening diane who who, who would think it's a little bit odd that um a, a widow would want to have the children of of their husband who had passed away why was it so important for you
10: it was important to me because it was the way of me carrying on my life. We were trying for a child at the time that he died. Um, it was our plans. Um, it was something that we'd discussed. And it was the way of me continuing with the life that I'd planned and mm. the way of me having children.
2: Now, you've been um, actively supporting Beth Warren in her case, haven't you?
10: I have, yes. Um I mean, I'm not Beth Warren. We're very different people. Um, she wants time to make the right decision for her. Um, she she just wants the time to to know that she's doing the right thing, or not, as the case may be. Whereas, I, to be honest, didn't really have a moment's indecision. Um, I was just blocked at every which way I wanted to go. It must be
2: very frustrating to, to um, you know, you you want to take what you consider to be rightfully yours, both your case and in Beth's case, uh, and the legal system is kind of throwing up
4: barriers.
10: I think, to be honest, both in my case and in Beth's, um, the the court certainly had had sympathy. Um, everybody just seems to be kind of going, "Oh, my hands are tied." Well. You know, the court in, in my case certainly found a way around it and fa- found for me, um, you know, using using the routes that were available. And I just hope that the judge in Beth's case um, can can do the same.
2: And the problem with Beth's case, if I got this right, is that um, uh, her husband's intention was that the sample should be kept in continued storage, but he, he never signed a document stating that. Is that right? Not quite. Okay. He
10: signed multiple documents. Right. Every form that he was given, he signed saying that he wished best to have the opportunity to use his sperm after his death. And he signed whatever he was given. The problem is some of those forms said two years, some of them said seven years, uh, some of them didn't say anything. He just signed whatever he was given. Right. um, Without ever being presented with his full options, which were that she could actually have stored it up to 55 years so he was never given the opportunities that were legally available to him.
2: Which way do you think it's going to go? It would be a harsh courtroom that, that kind of turned down her denial, wouldn't it?
10: Well, for me, it makes no sense to force a widow into a situation where she really has to make a snap decision over something so important as to whether she's going to have the baby of somebody who's no longer going to be with her to support her doing that, or to create embryos which would actually give her another seven years Mm. but then once you create embryos your financial emotional and ethical stakes are just so much higher so it 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 doesn't really make any sense every common sense person would say if she doesn't know and can't quite make up her mind at this moment in time then give her give her longer don't Mm. don't force her into a situation where she's got to go now or never
2: so you've got two boys how old are your boys my oldest is 15 and my youngest is 11. And I'm assuming you've explained to them the, the the situation around their birth.
10: Yeah, I mean, it's not really a conversation You, I kind of sat down and, and had on one particular day. It's just something they've grown up with and yeah. something they're aware of and something they know about. And what are their thoughts on it? I, I don't think it's something that really enters their lives much. Um it's just the way they are and the way they're born. It's a bit like asking, uh, I don't know, a British
11: person, how does it feel to be British? Yeah. You just
2: are. Yeah, it's just, it's <laughs> exactly, it's just the way they are. Diane, it's fascinating. Thank you very much for your time this morning. It's uh, Diane Blood uh, talking there about Beth Warren. Uh, do give us your call, your thoughts on that, Oh eight four five nine 555. Should this uh, woman have the right to um, do with her dead husband's semen what she sees appropriate? Oh,
4: 08459 five, 555. Double, five, double, five. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs.
7: BBC Three Counties Radio. Starting by looking at the speed sensors, things looking a little busy but moving on the A5 around Dunstable. That's in both directions. In Tiddington, Sandy Lane still closed because of flooding between Oxford Road and Old London Road. On public transport, the Victoria Line has severe delays because of emergency engineering works. I'm Alice Cossett, BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Across beds, hearts and bugs.
3: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: It's 6.30, I'm Jane Killick. Hertfordshire police say a corrupt traffic officer who demanded cash from speeding motorists failed to live up to the high standards expected by officers. Irfan Hussein has been jailed for 12 months. A 28-year-old woman from Newport Pagnell whose husband died of cancer is fighting for the right to keep his sperm for longer. Beth Warren has until April 2015 to act if she wants to have children by him. A council expert says the sinkhole that swallowed a car in High Wycombe is not the only crater to appear in the area over the last few years. Zoe Smith lost her car when a hole appeared in her drive in Walters Ash. The weather, mostly dry and cloudy, with a high of 8 Celsius. On to sport now and in football. Chelsea have drawn level on points in the Premier League title race with Manchester City after beating their rivals 1-0 at the Etihad Stadium. Defender Branislav Ivanovic scored the first-half winner.
12: Now it's Hazard again, pulling the ball back to Ramirez. Great challenge coming in from company. Shot driven in, and a goal for Chelsea from Ivanovic.
0: Newcastle United have confirmed Joe Kinnear has resigned as director of football at St James's Park and has left with immediate effect. The club say they'll be making no further comment. Kinnear joined Newcastle in June last year and was in charge of player recruitment. Stevenage midfielder John Machinio could make his first start since returning to the club last week in tonight's League One match against Gillingham. Machinio is on loan from Preston and it's his second spell at the Lamex. Stevenage are still bottom of the table, but Machinio believes they'll get away from the relegation danger.
1: I've been in you know, some, some scraps before, um, even with Stevenage. I think my first year here we were, were in a similar situation. Um, and Obviously managed to get promoted that year, so... Um, you know, there's no, there's no panic, there's, there's, there's no, no worry at all. Um, just need to you know, take one game at a time and, and uh, see what we can do, see what we can build on.
0: And in rugby, England wing Johnny May is fit to play in Saturday's Six Nations game against Scotland despite breaking his nose in the defeat by France. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. I'll be back with the full bulletin at seven. Across beds, hearts and
2: bucks.
4: This is Ian Lee.
3: BBC Three Counties Radio.
2: Morning! This Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots to talk about this morning, but before that, regular caller, Matt's in Luton. Morning, Matt. Morning, Liz. Matt, I, 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 I hear yeah. you've got some news for us.
13: Yeah, Mum passed away this morning. About, uh, I think it's around about two o'clock, half two. Uh, she went very peacefully and all the girls are there and Paul... Julia Helen, they're here now because we 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 waited and waited, and Neville's come and picked her body up, and then we come back to the house, Margaret's home, as I call her. and uh, <clears throat> I said to him, "Did I should I ring you in this morning?" And they said, "Yeah, please ring you in." So as we could, you you're the one that you're close to to me, and we've had our differences, me and you. But you've been very close to me in the last few weeks, and you know that feeling because of your mum, that feeling I'm feeling now, but you know what it's like, and you could just have a few words to get to the girls and Paul, telling them how you feel for me.
2: Well, Matt, I do, I, I do know. I mean, my dad passed away last year. My mum's not very well. But what, you say that all the all the kids were with Margaret when she passed. We were all there. You were there as well. Yeah. Well, isn't uh, isn't that a gift? Oh God! Isn't that a gift? Yeah. Yeah, it was absolutely marvellous. And and Julie was
13: the last in, and she seemed to wait for Julie to come in.
2: Yeah. They know yeah. sometimes. Yeah. They do know. Yes, I'm sure they do. And she just slipped away, did she? Just slipped away. No pain, just relief on her face. Well, listen. No, no, no. Death is uh, is particularly good, but if you're going to go, then go quietly with all of your family around you. Yeah, that's that's we something singing, to cling on to.
13: We we're all singing our favourite songs, which I've
2: told you before. But... Which which one? Well, we not not daytime the, friends, nighttime lovers. <laughs> you weren't singing <laughs> that, were you? <laughs> She loved Kenny Rogers, but uh, well,
13: she had uh, Story of My Life, Michael Holiday. That was one of her great songs. Story
2: book. of My Life, Michael Holiday.
13: But, yeah, and, and of course, From a Jack to a King.
2: That was her own song. Who did From a Jack to a King? The Elvis Ned version? Miller. Eddie Miller? Ned Miller. Ned Miller, okay. So you're all singing that around her, uh, Well, that? Oh, yeah. Bobby
13: Darren was another favorite. Things. Uh, Eighteen Yellow Roses was a real favorite
2: of the family. Eighteen yellow roses. Bobby Darren. Bobby Darren. Bobby Darren's fantastic. Well, it's it's marvellous that you are all there. How are you? How are you feeling, Matt? Have you had? Has it had time to sink in yet? I feel very lonely. Yeah. Empty. But
13: you see, I'm lucky. I've got all the kids around me. That's the most important part. And it's when they go. Now that will be the. As you know yourself, you've had that. Yeah. Yeah. No one knows until it happens to them. Yeah. You know, but I'm lucky I've got a great family.
2: Well, it sounds like you've got a fantastic family, and, and oh, the fact that they were all able yes, to come together... To be there. ...at this important moment is... Um, you
13: remember this time last week? Yeah. We didn't think she'd last... No. two hours. And she's, she stood, and she's been so strong and firm, and, and we can believe the strength the woman has. mm she was always a great mum, but, uh, but she was so strong. She just waited for them all to be together. I, I, I'm sure of that now.
2: You've got listen, Matt. There's a bit more sadness coming, as you know, because you've got the the funeral and things yes, like that. Yes, yes. But you can all kind of start to move on now. And when I yes. say move on, I don't mean forget Margaret at all. You won't you'll never forget her, but you can all start to move on with your lives, knowing that she's at peace now.
13: Yeah. And. Could you tell Jonathan
2: also? Please? Yeah, I will let Jonathan know. Because, you know, he was a uh, great... Right, uh, I will let Jonathan know, don't worry. I will pass that on. And also, okay. Matt, don't listen, you, you give us a call any time you want. I will, yeah. Even if you're a bit lonely first thing in the morning. Yeah. Don't you start... Oh, well, I'm going to go back to normal, no, and no. giving you a bit of stick, no. I think. No, you won't. I will not allow it. <laughs> you give me as much stick as you want. You, you've got your friends down the boozer as well who would yeah, like to give me a yeah. bit of stick. Yeah. Uh, t- Matt, Matt, do me a favour. Yeah. Go back into the room with all your kids... Yeah. Give them a big hug and tell them you love them. Yes. Yeah. They know that. Go they and go and tell them now because now is an important time for people to remember just how much they love each other. All right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Matt. Cheers, Ian. Thank n- you very much. Nice to speak to you. And I, we're all thinking of you and your family. Thank you. Very Lots much. of love. There Cheers. We well, should we play a little song for Margaret? I think it would be appropriate, wouldn't it? From a
14: jack to a king. Thank to a king.
3: Beds, hearts
2: and bugs.
4: This is Ian Lee BBC
2: Three Counties There we go, there we go Play that for Margaret Who's, uh, you know, off on another journey now And lots of love to all of her family there Catherine's in the studio Hello Morning Catherine Good uh, morning uh, newspapers, is it? Yes, it is. it is. What you got?
5: Well, this. NHS tells Crash Girl to pay £12,000 for new teeth. What? This is one of these. But they do boob jobs and sex changes on the NHS. What about my teeth? Yeah. A girl who had six front teeth knocked out in a cycling accident was told she'd have to pay that money to get her smile back, while others are allowed free boob jobs on the NHS, says the Daily Express, page 11. Pretty Alex Kerr. Don't know why that uh, has any bearing on it's it. It's true, but if she was a minger, do we not care about her teeth? No. Um, was hit by a car as she rode home from her job as an advertising assistant in November. She lay in a coma for a week with extensive injuries that also included fractures to her pelvis, jaw and wrist and two dislocated knees. Well, that's nasty. Ouch! Alex assumed restorative work needed on her teeth would be part of her treatment. She was wrong. That's Northampton General Hospital told her that that case was not acute and dealing with the unsightly gap was not a high priority. I mean, for heaven's sake, you, you would miss your six-front teeth. Well... That's that. It's, just, it's raging at how unfair it is.
2: There's the story in the, the front page of the mail is a Fleeced by director incri- Directory Inquiries, BT fined for overcharging on £2.40 a minute line. You follow, Turn to page four to follow the rest of the story, and there's a picture of <clears throat> what looks like a gentleman, and then you realise it's a woman called Betty Jacobs. She's got a very distinct haircut. And I showed this picture to you, and you went, oh, yeah, yeah, is she from Lancashire? And I read the story, and I went, yeah, she's from Clitheroe in Lancashire. And you, you could tell by her haircut.
6: Yeah, this
2: is with, a, with
5: apologies to a lot of glamorous uh, widows from, or old, older ladies from um, Lancashire, but there is a certain utility haircut they seem to go for. Is they all have the same look, do they? Well, there is, a, there is a look. It's kind of a no-nonsense Lancashire look.
2: That's very odd. But my favourite story of the moment is, everyone should have a favourite story of the moment, and mine is um, this fella, Jose Alvarenga. Oh, this
5: is the um, drinker of turtle blood. This is the fella
2: who lived. Very
5: fattening, isn't it?
2: He lived for 14 months on a boat, 14 months adrift. As he stepped back into civilisation yesterday, grinning beneath his bushy beard, it was difficult to believe the tangle haired fisherman had survived an incredible 14 months adrift on the high seas. He uh, drank turtle blood. He drank his own wee-wee. He was he,
5: catching fish with his bare hands, apparently. He, he
2: grabbed, uh, grabbed seagulls to eat raw for 14 months. I don't believe it. He's totally, totally making this up. And I'm going to watch this story with, with keen interest because he is. Uh, it's going to come out that this is complete and utter nonsense, isn't it? It reminds me, there's a fella, um, oh, what was I? Uh, Crowhurst. Donald Crowhurst was the fella I was telling you about who uh, set off to break the um, uh, solo sailing around the world record. Uh, and he faked it. He faked it and was just making up times. He, didn't, he, he went about 500 miles away from England. And then he went mad and he filmed it all. And I've just ordered the documentary. You can borrow that afterwards. Thanks. You're welcome. But this guy, Jose Alvarenga. He's well, having a laugh. He's having a laugh. <laughs> what you got?
5: Um, that... Sugary treats can triple heart disease death risk.
2: What? You don't say?
5: Yeah. Uh, pubs get extra time. Hey, you David Mar- Cameron's overruled off the Home Office uh, to ensure pubs can stay open for England's World Cup against Italy. Well, there's a surprise. Good, Dave.
2: Well, You've seen Martin Kemp? I'm aware of his work. What's right. happened? He's, he stopped dyeing his hair.
5: Oh, okay. He Good, because like, it, it was a bit too.
2: It looks like a ghost. Yeah. Now it's a bit too the Stop other way. Still dyeing his skin. <laughs> he looks weird, doesn't he? He's not got a tan and he looks very pink. He's lost all his pigment. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think we should get Justin out on this. Bald? Now there's a jab to make hair grow back. No, there isn't. Justin doesn't believe that there is a cure... For baldness. Well, there is. He
5: thinks everything's just a Uh, cover-up.
2: Hair transplants. And now, scientists may soon be able to grow new hair on balding scalps, avoiding the need for a hair transplant. Researchers have succeeded in creating new human hair in the laboratory. Now, the thing is, if you're bald, you must be miserable. If you're a bald man, you must be... uh, Unless you're over 75, it doesn't matter. But if you're a bald man between the age of, like, 8... And uh, 75, unless it's for a medical reason, unless you've had some intense chemotherapy or, or alopecia or something like that, you must be no, miserable. No, 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 no. Yes. Yul
5: Brinner, very handsome man. Oh, I, I bet. Patrick Stewart, very handsome I man. I
2: bet they're crying inside. I Your bet that, isn't anymore. No, he's he's um, uh, yeah, but, but, I but bet that was his
5: look. If he'd have had hair, he wouldn't have been so distinctive.
2: I bet Patrick Stewart is miserable inside. He's he goes and films another episode of Star Trek: Next Generation. Bye guys, bye Data, bye everyone. Then he goes in and he shuts his, his door and he cries like a bald baby. That's what's happening. He could
5: have that crop resown if he wanted.
2: There are no bald men apart from if you're having chemo or something like that. But there are no bald men that are happy. It's just not. Possible.
5: Tell you who is happy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh! My husband's nearly 40 years younger, but it was love at first sight.
2: All right, Catherine, we'll talk about your life in a second. Let's Simon concentrate on the story. Simon is 39. Oh, yeah.
5: Edna is 78.
2: Dirty. They dirty. were wed
5: nine years ago when he was 30.
2: That is dirty. Dirty She's 30. He's
5: 69. What makes their unusual marriage work?
2: Him. And her. It's. I mean, you look at the picture and there's a, there's a documentary on he Channel like 5.
5: A, he looks like someone acting the part of... I'm, I'm going to say it a mummy's boy.
2: He looks like a Steve Coogan character yeah, doesn't he? Yeah, he's got
5: like a comedy tank top on I don't know whether they've stitched him up for this picture she appears to be knitting him another one
2: he just... Just imagine just imagine <laughs> imagine that
5: look, let's not reduce it to that, but uh, stop it it's, but uh, that, that... that's too much, isn't it? 39 and 70. We
2: often talk about uh, age gap relationships. 40 years is disgust... It is disgusting and perverse.
5: Could be a gran.
4: Oh god Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs.
7: BBC Three Counties Radio. The M25 anti clockwise is building up now at junction 21 for the M1, looking a little heavy there. On the speed sensors, the North Orbital is queuing at the Park Street roundabout, heading northbound. And on public transport, the Victoria Line has severe delays after earlier emergency engineering works. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio.
2: Thank you very much indeed. Right, 6.46. It's Tuesday, the 4th of February. Don't, no, don't laugh, no. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Hertfordshire policeman is starting a 12-month jail sentence for fining motorists and pocketing the cash. A woman from Newport Pagnell is asking the High Court for more time to conceive her dead husband's children. In football, Chelsea achieved a 1 0 victory against Manchester City, putting
4: them level on points. Good for those guys there.
2: Right, let's get the weather now. Here's Kate. Hearts and Bucks weather.
4: BBC Three Counties Radio.
15: Good morning. Well, it's not a bad start. One or two showers, perhaps, as we head through the morning, but they're fairly isolated and we'll be quite unlucky to get one. Some places, uh, the lowest temperature at the moment is around three Celsius. The further east you go, it's more likely to be four or five. It's going to get up to later on this afternoon, around eight Celsius as the maximum temperature, but some bright spells and some sunny spells as well. The wind will start to increase through the course of the afternoon, then overnight become really quite strong. The Met Office has issued a yellow weather warning for strong winds. We could be seeing gusts of between 50 and 60 miles per hour in parts of Buckinghamshire overnight tonight. So uh, something to watch out for. It's accompanied by a band of uh, quite heavy and prolonged rain for a time. The middle part of the night very, very wet and very, very windy. And then towards dawn it's going to break up and turn into blustery showers. Minimum temperature down to around 5 Celsius. Through tomorrow some frequent heavy showers likely accompanied by gale force winds as well. So again, another wet and windy Wednesday. And that's your forecast. Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday
4: between 12 and 3, I'm here with a little bit of celebrity. My geography teacher at school resurrected a jazz standards song, which was Won't You Come Home, Bill Bailey. It made me dedicate myself to be trying to be better.
16: I always felt that wasn't quite good enough. Expert advice.
3: Absolutely, you've got it, you've nailed it. I
1: am so happy, thank you. And loads of really great music.
3: Nick Coffer. Weekdays from twelve on BBC Three Counties Radio.
2: This song's called "I Touch Myself." What's it about? I'm not quite sure. Let's have a listen to the lyrics.
17: Yeah you like it? Uh, no, I'm just getting over the insult
2: about Lancashire. Oh, goodness sakes. I, bastard, I, honestly, do. I honestly do. I'm not lying. I've not been lying for the last uh, three minute and a half minutes. I honestly do. I honestly do. I, she honestly does, Dennis. Uh, no sorry. L- d- no. Oh okay, so the, the insult about Lancashire remind us what it was.
17: You were saying there's a traditional haircut for Lancashire. And you've got a young lady in your office. She comes from Lancashire. Yeah, yeah. my
5: granddad the haircut.
17: He did the haircut. What, with a basin? <laughs>
5: Knife and fork by looks of it.
17: No, it's not as bad as that, surely. <laughs> and then but, he goes on about hair transplants. Yeah. Well, I've got a Lancashire haircut. I, they, my forehead is so high it reaches the back of my neck.
2: I've got, can I just say, right, we, we, I, I've said there are no bald men who are happy, fact, okay? And that's a fact. That's a fact, isn't it, Kelly? It's a fact. I'm happy, fat. I'm happy and fat. Oh, hang on. Bald.
5: <laughs> I'm
2: bald as well, okay? Goodness, I get your ears cleaned, right? Deaf men are not happy. And so we've <laughs> tweeted at BBC 3CR the quote, there are no bald men who are happy, fact, okay? Then Matthew Robinson has replied, ha ha, nor black people or fatties. What? Laughing at people is brilliant. Great phone in. Guess what? Matthew is bald. He's not happy with himself. He's unhappy with himself. He's taken offence because he's, uh, he's unhappy with himself and what goes on in his life. Which oh, is sad, dear. isn't it,
17: Dennis? Oh, very, very Let sad. Let me just block him as well. No, no, of it, no. Yeah. get off with you. It's but, lovely to have a bald head. No n- trouble at all, okay. honestly. Well,
2: Dennis, what do you want?
17: Well, I rang in to say I thought that gentleman who lost the lady, I thought that was very good. And I thought you did a super job with that because, you know, not pushing it. I'm getting towards that area now. So I'm hoping that people think that when I go, because I've told them I don't want any any rocks on top of me with a, anything on the I just I just want to go. And I hope that that lady felt the same way. She, The family was there. Yes.
2: Well, no, if you're going to go, go go peacefully with every all your kids That's and your right, husband you around you. Beautiful.
17: Don't. And I don't, in my case, I don't want them to put any stones on top of them with my name on. I just want to go. Yeah. And I don't, if, if they can't remember me, then... You should, i like, tell you what you should do, Dennis. Yes.
2: Um. You should stop phoning me. But what, uh, no, what also, you should get put up, you can get put in a firework. Put in fact, that's fine, yes. It, you have to be cremated first, it'll be pretty macabre well, otherwise, right. but they cremate think, you, and then yes. they put you in a firework and fire you up in the sky over Dunstable.
17: Well, that's right. Why don't they get round to rocket ships that take everybody up there towards oh. the sun? Once they start going towards the sun, it'll be sucked in. You'll also keep earth warm then, won't you? Yeah. You burn up. No, honestly, no, I'm not. I'm you not could
7: be made into a necklace, Dennis.
17: Well, what the a little gold necklace. Like?
2: Yeah. Here's the thing I saw in the paper at the weekend. Okay, now this is horrific. They wouldn't let me show it on Sky News. I was doing Sky News. They wouldn't let me show it. Okay, the new fashion, Dennis, is to get the body of the deceased oh. and to put them in a pose that they liked to be in when they were alive. What,
5: like holding the remote control?
2: Well, there was a, so there's a fella on the back of a Harley Davidson, and there's a boxer in
17: the boxing ring, all dressed up, ready to go. Would, you, would, would that appeal to you, Dennis? No, the position I would like to be oh, in, but not be shown on television. OK, so, yeah. thank you very much, we'll say goodbye to
2: Dennis, You knew that was coming. So. I was... was you right, Kelly? Yeah. OK. Um, I, that was uh, unpleasant. Have you got any, anything else? Or yeah, to two play a things, song? two beauties. Go on. Paul Hyde, 52,
5: from Wolverhampton, has had his £59.50 job seekers allowance cut because...
2: Um, I don't know.
5: I just said a teacher thing to you, didn't I? Yes, yes. Because officials from Job Centre Plus said his strategy of standing on the street with a placard begging for work was not a suitable way of getting a job. What are you doing there?
2: I'm just messing around with Kelly's fader and indeed her mind. What
5: are you doing? What? And here's another one. Stoke-on-Trent Council has signed up 500 obese residents to a £10,000 <laughs> scheme under which they will be texted helpful advice such as eat less and walk
2: to the shops. This is crazy. That's obvious. If you want to get slim, walk more, eat less. There are other things, other issues around it as well.
5: Put that Mars bar down. Unless you're about to do some strenuous activity. Yeah, exactly. Oh.
2: Blimey, Should we have some of this?
5: Yeah.
18: And he'll tell her He's working late again but she knows too well there's something going on she's been neglected and she needs a friend so her trembling fingers dial the telephone lord it hurts her doing this again he's the best friend She's lonely, he's more than just a friend, he's the one she longs to give her body to. Daytime friends and nighttime lovers, hoping no one else discovers where they go, what they do, in this secret hideout. shake hands in the light of day When it's over There's no peace of mind Just a longing for the way things should
2: have been And she wanders uh, we got to end this song early never find Shame, it's a, a cracking record. He's a lover and a friend. Bow, bow, bow. Daytime friends and nighttime lovers. No one a little a bit of Kenny Rogers. Where they go, For Matt and Margaret and all the kids. The kids are in their, their 40s, blimey. Hideaway. 084594 double five five double five is the telephone number. If you want to give us a call, you can. We're talking. Well, we're talking about bent police officers. And should uh, a widow
4: have the right to have a child with the sperm of her deceased partner? We'll talk about that more. First, let's get the travel. Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs.
7: BBC Three Counties Radio the m25 anti-clockwise very slow now between 17 for maple cross and 16 for the m40 also struggling between 21 for the m1 and 20 for kings langley and in Bricketwood, the north orbital very slow at the m25 junction 21a roundabout public transport has no reported problems i'm alice gloss at bbc three counties radio
2: Excellent stuff. We'll take some of your calls. Oh, that gentleman's deleted his tweet. Almost as if he realised he was being a complete and utter Muppet. Local and vocal
3: across beds, hearts and bucks.
4: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: Seven o'clock. I'm Jane Killick. The headlines: Jail for a Harborough traffic cop who pocketed fines from motorists. A woman from Newport Pagnell fights for more time to have her dead husband's child. And the sinkhole in High Wycombe is only the latest to appear.
3: BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: A senior officer in Harborough Police has condemned the actions of a corrupt officer who demanded cash from speeding motorists. Irfan Hussein was sentenced to 12 months in jail for demanding cash fines from motorists he caught speeding. Hertfordshire Police Deputy Chief Constable Alison Room gifford says his behaviour fell disgracefully below the standards they expect. It's a shocking breach of trust. Um, It shocked uh, uh, our own staff as as much as it shocked the public. So um, a disturbing case and a, a, a sad day. A tidal wave of cancer is set to sweep the globe over the next two decades, according to the World Health Organization. It predicts longer lifespans and increasing populations will cause rates of the disease to rise from 14 million a year to 24 million a year by 2035. The WHO says the cost of treatments are spiraling out of control and governments should concentrate on trying to prevent the disease instead. A 28-year-old woman from Newport Pagnell whose husband died of cancer is fighting for the right to keep his sperm for longer. Beth Warren has until April 2015 to act if she wants to have children by him. Carol Abercrombie has more. The sperm's being kept in a clinic in Northampton, but by law can't be stored beyond April 2015. Before he died, Beth's husband, Warren Brewer, made it clear he wanted the sperm kept so his widow could have his children if she wished. Over the years, he kept renewing the official consent forms, but they were time limited and the consent will run out soon. And Beth, who's 28 years old, says she's not yet ready to have children. BBC News has learned that a former UK Independence Party spokesman was jailed for seven years in Britain for leading a kidnapping gang in Pakistan. After being released, Majib Bhutto claimed political asylum in Britain before becoming UKIP's Commonwealth spokesman. A 48-hour strike on the London Underground will start at 9 o'clock tonight. Unions are protesting about the planned closure of ticket offices, which they say will cost nearly 1,000 jobs. A council expert says the sinkhole that swallowed a car in High Wickham is not the only crater to appear in the area over the last few years. Zoe Smith lost her car when a hole appeared in her drive in Walters Ash. The building control team leader at Wickham District Council, Alan Mason, says other holes have appeared, but they are rare. He says it's the old brick and tile pits that cause the problem.
19: When the clay pits were filled, it wasn't done in a controlled way as people tend to fill uh, these sort of depressions now. So you never know what was put in there. And we have had situations in the past, but normally it's not quite as dramatic as we've seen today.
0: In football, Chelsea have drawn level on points in the Premier League title race with Manchester City after beating their rivals 1-0 at the Etihad Stadium. The weather, mostly dry with broken cloud and sunny spells, the odd isolated shower this morning and getting windy this afternoon with a high of 8 Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk. A tidal wave of cancer? Wow!
2: Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's three minutes past seven. It's Tuesday the 4th of February. I'm Ian Lee. Let's have a little chat about what's coming up this morning. A former Hertfordshire policeman has been sentenced to 12 months for handing out his own on-the-spot fines. Almost the perfect con. How did he get caught? Well, will find out in a little bit. <laughs> a Buckinghamshire widow is fighting for the right to bear her late husband's children. She's not ready for a family, but under current regulations, only has until next April to use his sample, unless she can convince the High Court of his wishes. Well, what do you think? Is it... Right, appropriate for a widow to have a child using the sperm of a deceased husband. And we'll catch up with the family who saw their Volkswagen disappear into a 30-foot sinkhole. You can email ian.lee at bbc.co.uk or the best way to get in touch, please. We've had some cracking phone calls already this morning. and a phone call from Dennis. 08459... Four double five, five double five. I noticed some criticism on the Facebook page the other day. Saying, "Well, your presenters, when they're giving out the phone numbers, can they say it a little bit slower, please?" So here goes: oh, eight, four five nine
4: Yes, four double five, five double five. Across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, so imagine this, you're
2: driving down a street in Hertfordshire and there's no one about, so ah, maybe you're going a little bit fast, a few miles over the speed limit, and then you see some blue lights come out of nowhere to pull you over. you will be terrified, wouldn't you? You'd be terrified. But then the cop says, listen, don't worry, you can either um, uh, get points on your licence or if you just pay me a fine. What, 30 quid, 60 quid? Uh, you won't get any points. Well, that's what one police officer was doing. The traffic cop got sent to prison for 12 months yesterday because it turns out Irfan Hussain from Stevenage wasn't allowed to do deals like that. He was getting the cash and putting it in his pocket and then spending it on things for himself. Well, our uh, reporter Justin Dealey has been out and about getting your uh, reaction to this this morning. Morning, Just. Hello, Ian. What did, no, we, we, every now and then we get stories about be- bent police officers, but yeah. w- what have people been saying out on the street this morning? Well, I know
12: what I would do. I, I would pay the fine. Of course because I, I do trust the police force in this country. So I've been putting this scenario to people this morning, and here's what people had to say. So, Andy, you're here in your car this morning. If you were to be pulled over by a police officer no. and he said to you, you've got to pay an on-the-spot fine of, say, £60... Would you ever hand over cash to a police officer? No, definitely not. No, not a no chance. Because you don't trust them? No, I just, uh, I know it's not the way right, they done with thing. Uh, and you're trusting the police force on the whole. Do you still trust the majority of police officers in this country? Yeah, 100%. They do, do a good job. They're up against a uh, huge task.
20: And I think they do, on the whole, they do a good job.
12: John, let me put a scenario to you. You're in your van this morning, you get pulled over by a police officer for speeding, and he says you've got to pay an on-the-spot fine. Would you hand over cash to a police officer? No way. No way. I don't trust them. Ronnie, I know what I would do in this situation, because I trust the police on the whole, but but if you were pulled over by a police officer and he said you've been speeding, you can either take penalty points Uh or pay an on-the-spot fine, what would you do? Depending obviously on my personal situation, I'll probably just pay on the spot fine. And you wouldn't doubt that I because it was a it. police officer saying that. To yeah, you.
8: that's right. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it because obviously, um, um, consciously, I would just do it because obviously, I would want to avoid the points. Uh, I would rather pay the 30 pounds or 60 pounds.
12: It's fascinating. We're talking about this police officer today yeah. who's been taking the cash for himself abusing his position uh, your trust when it comes to the police force in this country do you still trust the police in this country
8: yeah like i say i i, I go back with the principle i trust the principle but like i say you're always gonna find that in practice you find obviously dodgy ones one or two i think it's a good principle like i say but you find one or two who always gonna abuse it i think that's uh, how life works i'd have to pay it rather than have points on my licence.
12: So you pay it with no questions because that person was a police officer? Well, yeah, I'd like to see a bit of proof, like a speed camera
8: or something like that, or they have all these things on their dash now as well so I'd like to see some of that before
2: I paid it but I don't use the speed in. The thing is just when a mm. copper pulls you over you're in a s- heightened state of it was generally uh, panic uh, yeah. or tension you're an- anxious anxious that's the word absolutely and you will do whatever it takes to get out of getting points or getting uh, hauled in or whatever.
12: Absolutely you know as, as that man Ronnie said in that piece there is it's not worth the hassle you know in that situation nobody wants to have points on their license so if somebody says you uh, like in this situation, pay thirty or sixty pounds. I think the majority of people, without thinking about it, would simply hand over the money because they want to avoid points on their penalty. You know, it, it's as simple as that. People, I think, in that situation, um, they are going to be stressed out. Th- that they are going to be quite scared to a certain degree. So the easiest thing will be to to pay the money and move on. Just, c- can you wait there? Because
2: I'll have a quick word with you in a couple of minutes about something. Yeah, no problem. my dear, stay there. We'll switch to Justin in a second. But before that, Norman Brennan founded the of Crime Trust and was a police officer in London for more than 30 years. Morning, Norman.
21: Yeah, good morning to you.
2: This is um, a pretty cheeky case, isn't it?
21: Yeah, I mean, i would be quite honest with you, I can't imagine him giving more than just a few tickets because it is something that the public would not accept. The majority of the public know that they'll be given a fixed penalty, which um, will be on official, no paper. I mean, what would he have done to give a receipt, um, just an invoice book, uh, I mean, it's bonkers, really, and uh, I, I don't know the officer concerned. I would suggest he's not got long in the service. And, uh, it, you know, it literally is a one-off, hence uh, it's the uh, news story at the top of your programme. It is so rare.
2: Well, he's since resigned. We spoke earlier on in the show to uh, Sophie Kahn, who um, is, uh, well, she helps lots of people. She works for a police action centre. And she says that, that kind of corruption and lies in the police force isn't necessarily as rare as we'd like it, like, to think it is.
21: Well I'm telling you it is and uh, I've always been honest with you uh, for 20 years in the police most senior management within the police weren't impressed that a frontline police officer would be honest with you. So when I speak to you and tell you that there aren't that many corrupt officers. I'll be quite honest with you, it's so rare that most of us don't even know who a corrupt officer is. Um, The majority of police officers, if they knew that there was a corrupt officer amongst their ranks, would report it anonymously if necessary. And in fact, uh, a lot of us would be only too pleased to arrest that corrupt officer. And the reason why uh, they're, they're so good at what they do is because they keep it very quiet, Um, And nobody ever knows. But when we do know, it's right that they have the book thrown at them. And as in this case, he's got 12 months imprisonment, rightly so. The public, should they be alarmed? No, it's just sad that one of our colleagues has let the public down. And of course, the police service.
2: What would the reaction be like from his uh, mates back at the station?
21: I I bet they didn't even know. Um, I I know many traffic police officers and many members of the public think all they're interested in doing is nicking people. I can assure you the majority of the traffic officers caution people rather than nick them, otherwise they'd never be patrolling the motorways and that but uh, they feel let down uh, they wouldn't know what he would have been doing i would suggest that he was single crew which means he actually patrolled on his own yeah. and um rightly so if somebody phoned me up and said norm your ex-old bill um my mate was given a ticket the other day i'd be the first one to phone the professional standards or an appropriate officer and saying have a look at this guy and that's exactly what's happened He's been taken out of circulation. He's not in the police service anymore. And just like the odd rogue doctor, you know, at the end of the day, would you stop going no. to the doctors? If someone in Northampton had acted badly, no, you would be a little bit concerned. But I think you would say the majority of doctors, just like police officers, are hardworking and honest people. And rightly so. When something like this happens, it is the headlines.
2: It's, it's been a tough 12 years for the police. Hillsborough? Plebgate. This, there are a few other stories that have popped up. Do you think that that um, the public's trust of the police is at a low?
21: It's- high as it could be, um, and, and I know many police officers now that, you know, you really don't want to keep on giving bad news, and it's a bit like the racist baseball bat after the Duggan shooting, I mean, it was it was, for example, that was uh, the most recent one uh, the police acted in accordance with all of the guidelines, and when I looked at the, um, the verdict, anybody who thought the police would have actually um, been found uh, guilty of an unlawful killing rather than a lawful killing Frontline men and women are just members of the public that put themselves forward. If you keep on kicking them and bashing them day in, day out, week in, week out, at the end of the day you're going to get a demoralised police service and the public do not get the best from a demoralised police service. So yes, we have made mistakes. We learn from them. There's always inquiries after controversial cases such as the Duggan shooting in the Hillsborough. We move on. We learn. Don't give up on the police, because at the end of the day, the police are just like members of the public, just like you. They make mistakes, but the majority of the time, they get it right.
2: Norman, I appreciate your time. Can we get you on for longer next time, please? (laughs) I could talk to you for ages. It's fascinating stuff. No problem. Cheers, Norman. Thank you very much. Norman Brennan. Founder of the Victims of Crime Trust. Uh, what do you reckon? Do you trust the police? 08459 455 505. Just, you still there? Yes, boss. So, there's a story in the uh, <clears throat> the mail today. they found a cure for baldness again. <laughs> oh, have they? Lovely. They keep finding cures for baldness. <laughs> now, this one, you get a, a, an injection in your head and your hair grows back. Beautiful. Lovely. Beautiful. Yeah. Now, I um, said earlier on today, I don't think there are any bald men who are happy... People with with chemo medical conditions to one side. I'm talking about people who have gone naturally bald uh, under the age of 75. There can't be any bald men who are happy. Matthew Robinson on Twitter has taken great offence. Ha, 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 ha! (laughs) Nor black people or fatties. Laughing at people is brilliant. Great phoning, says Matthew Robinson, who's wearing a baseball cap to hide what looks like a bald head. (laughs) (laughs) He's bitter and
12: twisted. (laughs) So, uh, uh, can you uh, go and find some baldies and ask if they're happy, Just? Yes. uh, Do you know what? I, th- I think on this particular occasion I think you know i I agree with you to a to a certain degree okay on this one, because a number of bull people their course, they're, they're going to go for treatment, they're, they're going to try and do something about it, they're going to wear a baseball cap, so that kind of backs up what you're saying. I think the, the majority of bald men, if you said to them, I can give you a miracle cure and you can have hair, yeah. I think 99.9% oh. of people, they would take that option, sure. Of course they would. Of mm. course they would. Mm, absolutely. Go and see what you can find out for us, Justin. We'll
2: speak to you later on. Thank you, boss. Cheers, my dears. 08459 four double five five double five is the phone number.
4: Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs.
3: BBC
7: Three Counties Radio. We've had calls in from Philip and Gary on the M1 southbound. Now, around junction 10 for Luton, a wheelie bin has fallen off of the back of a lorry. This is currently in the middle of lane one and two, so that may cause serious problems as you drive down that stretch. On the speed sensors, in Beaconsfield, the Amersham Road approaching the A40 is queuing. And the A1M, sorry, southbound, heavy at Junction 7 for Stevenage. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alice.
2: It's coming up to 7.16. It's Tuesday, the 4th of February. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Hertfordshire policeman is starting a 12-month jail sentence for fining motorists and pocketing the cash. A woman from Newport Pagnell is asking the High Court for more time to conceive her dead husband's children. In football, Chelsea achieved a 1-0 victory against Manchester City, putting them level on points. The weather today, sunshine and isolated showers becoming breezy. If you want to take part in the show, 08459 455 555.
3: BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday morning from nine, the JVS show. Well, whose fault is it that there are so
22: many fat people in this country?
3: It's a horrible word. Jonathan Vernon Smith. But why do
22: you want to kind of tiptoe around the issue? People are people. People aren't fat just because they're big. Tackling your consumer problems.
1: Over the last few months, I've been
22: palmed off every few days. There are some absolute rogues out there yeah. in the
3: car industry. Tim, I'm going to send uh,
22: Wayne into yes, you. Tim. Let's get some detail. And we'll get okay, this sorted John. out. The J-
3: S Show. Weekdays from 9. BBC Three Counties Radio.
2: Oh eight four five nine four double five. <coughs> There's a frog in my throat and I'm not afraid to, to share it. Oh eight four five nine 555 double, five, double, five is the telephone number. Lots to talk about this morning. Uh, talking about bent coppers. Do you trust the police? We'll be speaking in a little bit to uh, the widow who wants to use the sperm from her deceased husband to uh, have children at some point. Do you think that's a little odd, a little unusual? Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five, five, five. But on the subject of bald men, are any bald men actually actually happy with being bald? Steve's in dance morning. Steve, morning, morning, Steve. Is your radio working now? You sort of, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's that's great news for everybody concerned, Stephen. Oh, bet it is. Oh, it certainly is. I bet you love it. What well, you love it? What would you like to have a moan about? Uh, what would you like to say this morning? <laughs> Listen, <laughs> yes, it, it, my moaning comes from the heart. I might not be overeducated, but I'm passionate. It comes from think. something. Yes, you certainly yeah. talk out of something. Now, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what do you want to say? I don't know. We're, we're talking about bald people. Yes. What about the ball? What about the funniest ones
23: is when the ones have got going bald in the middle and they try and comb this side there to the middle.
2: Well, the thing I don't get I, quite often you'll see bald men with ponytails. Uh, Mick Fleetwood from Fleetwood Mac for a long time was a bald man with a ponytail. Uh, what's, yours, exactly. what's your hair like, Steve? you got a full. I imagine you to have a full thick hair head of blonde hair <laughs> and blue eyes. Is that. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Is that no, close? No. No, it's a very dark brown. Ah. And is, oh, it a, is it a full head? Yeah, it is a full of, of head. Of hair, anyway. It is, yeah. Do you, but, have you ever met a bald man who's happy, Steve? I, I think they are, but I suppose underlying they'd rather have hair, I suppose, And that's... You ain't got it. That's the thing, isn't it? They'd all rather have hair. Oh, I'm happy as a bald man, but if they had the option to have a, take a pill that grew them hair, they'd take that pill, wouldn't they, Steve? I, I, I suspect so,
19: but you've got to be proud to be bald, don't you?
2: Just, if you're going bald, just chop it off and be happy, but... Everyone's got a different mentality, haven't they? We all worry about things, about ourselves. <laughs> Steve, uh, as always, really excellent um, contribution to the show. Thanks very much. You're welcome.
3: Across beds, hearts, and bucks.
4: This is Ian Lee,
3: BBC Three Counties Radio.
2: You do wonder if. I mean, Steve has said in the past his radio isn't working. But, yeah, he keeps phoning up. That's odd, isn't it? That's an odd thing to do. Now, a High Court ruling is expected shortly in the case of a woman from Newport Pagnell who's fighting for the chance of bearing her late husband's children. Warren uh, uh, had a sample of his sperm placed in storage uh, before uh, undergoing radiotherapy treatment in 2005. Unfortunately, it can only be kept for 10 years as he died before signing paperwork to store it for longer. Uh, We're joined now by uh, Beth Warren, his uh, widow. Morning, Beth. Good morning. Beth, were you married? We were. You were married. Sorry, I wasn't sure if I got that right or not. Um, uh, Why is this so important to you?
24: It's important because... Obviously, it's a relationship from eight years. We've planned the rest of our lives together. You know, if we were well and if we had the rest of our lives, but also if Warren did beat cancer. so either way we planned what was going to happen.
2: So what's the problem? What's the situation at the moment?
24: The situation, it's all about paperwork. Warren gave consent for everything he possibly could to do with posthumous conception, with naming himself as a birth father and so on. But the consent for storage of the sperm was on separate time-limited
2: forms, which have run out. And why... So, and when does it run out? Is it April next year?
24: It is, yes. Originally I was told I had 10 weeks from the day he died oh. to become pregnant, Oh dear. and at that point I sought legal advice, so I've since been granted two short extensions, but I'm looking for longer. <sighs>
2: Why are you looking for longer? Why aren't you ready to have children now?
24: At the moment, with current timing for April 2015, I should be looking to get pregnant immediately. And as it is, it's just coming up to two years on Sunday since right. my husband died. It's been a really difficult time, including two months before my husband died, my brother died. Oh, dear. At that point, I was faced with going straight back to work because I was self-employed and going back to university as well to finish the master's that i deferred so i could care for my
2: husband so you you, you've had a rough couple of years haven't you and it it, it, it would be difficult to make such a life-changing decision in those couple of years
24: and to be honest fighting this for two years has been incredibly difficult as well i do think it's difficult to focus on grieving when you're Focusing on a legal battle.
2: I was. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up, Beth, because I was going to mention that. Do you think that um, the that, that, that part of this this battle is in? And if I'm crossing any lines, tell me to to shut up. <coughs> but do you think part of this battle is is uh, an attempt to prevent the grieving process, to hold on to Warren, and it's stopping you from from moving on in your life?
24: I think obviously I'm not. I'm trying to move forward. That's what I want to do. But I do feel this has stopped me. When you're fighting to try and keep hold of the past. I want to be able to move forward knowing that if I want to do this, I can, but I don't have to do this at the same time. But if you're fighting for the past, it's, it's really difficult to let go and move forward.
2: Yeah. Is there a medical... I mean, how long can this stuff last for?
24: Pretty much indefinitely, really. Wow. It can be kept from the legislation for up to 55 years. Yeah. But that's more sort of a practical thing. And obviously I wouldn't want to keep it anywhere near up to 55 years because I wouldn't need it that long. No. It's just that right now, at the age of 28, when I lost my husband at 26, we weren't even planning to have children yet together, let alone we thought another two years. You know, we sort of, we're the sort of couple that set all our time periods. We weren't looking to do it just yet if he were alive, let alone if he's dead and I'm on my own. And I'm trying to struggle with dealing with life now mm. just being me.
2: I'm trying to step carefully around this, and it's difficult sometimes, so apologies if I'm being clumsy and heavy-footed here. But, but there might be some people listening, Beth, who think that what you're doing uh, isn't, uh, isn't natural. If, the, the natural chain of events, when, when there's the h- tragic loss of a partner, is you grieve, you mourn, and eventually, if you're lucky... Uh, you you move on and you find someone else. It doesn't replace the person who passed away, but you find someone else to share your life with and you you might then have children with that person. Mm -hmm. Have you followed that kind of train of thought? Of course,
24: yeah. I've had every horrible possible thing said about me online, really. Um, And I know, I think that's one major thing that I do really accept, that posthumous conception is very much what the person thinks is acceptable. But for me, it was something that my husband and I talked about. We've been through cancer... We knew that this might be happening. He wanted to leave me this choice, and I know it would be incredibly difficult for the child. But that's another reason why I'm saying, please give me more time. Right now, emotionally, I feel like maybe I would be holding on to him. Is is it the right reason? Am I doing it because that's what I should be doing? Because it's what we talked about. Because we planned for. Or is it because I still feel a bit heartbroken and lonely? And right now, just nearly two years down the line, I know for me. Some people say I should have moved on already, but I'm struggling and I need more time. No, of course. In the future, I might not do it, whether it's I'm not, you know, financially ready to do it on my own, whether it's because I think it's not right for that child, whether it's because I think I just can't do it on my own. But right now, it's not the right time to be starting to try and get pregnant.
2: And also, knowing when you've you've lost your other half in the, the most literal sense, you, mm. you, you know, t- two years is 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 nothing at all. You said that you, people have been saying horrible things about you online. What have people been saying?
24: Oh, even things like if she loved him she'd have married him more than six weeks before he died oh, but for that we'd actually had a wedding planned the summer before i had the fairy tale dress we had the church yeah. venue and because of his illness it was so unpredictable we postponed the wedding because we thought let's just wait until he's better until we can do this properly so it's, it's things like that that they don't know me they don't know no. us i'm torturing his parents that's another thing and they're so supportive and yeah. so proud of what i'm doing
2: Well, listen, I've found out the hard way that most people on the internet are idiots and you don't have to defend yourself against them. Beth, stay uh, there a second. I just want to bring James in. James Lawford-Davis, specialist fertility lawyer with Lawford-Davis-Danoon. James, you're representing Beth in court. It seems very complicated.
20: Uh, Well, it is quite complicated, um, although you can reduce it down to the simple question of whether or not there's uh, uh flexibility in the law to allow Beth to keep the sperm for a little longer that's the real the heart of the
2: matter. and o- I, I, well, obviously you believe that there, there is flexibility
20: yes well we we have a, a, a bigger legal team than just me we've got an excellent qc and uh, two junior barristers who've all been working together on this and we've come up with a lot of arguments that we think are very compelling um, we're just waiting to see what the judge made of them last week. And what
2: what is the kind of the crux of
20: this case, James? Is
2: it that, that uh, Warren signed the wrong bits of paper or he didn't sign the right bit of paper?
20: Well, Warren signed a series of consent forms which showed very clearly and beyond, beyond any doubt that he wanted the sperm to be kept after his death and he wanted Beth to be able to use it. But on those forms he also um, had to... Uh, signed to say that it could only be kept for a certain period of time because the clinic where the sperm was kept um, had a rule that said you can only store for as long as we have NHS funding. And then very close to his death, Warren signed a form to say that he wanted to extend that further, but that particular form, that last form, was not time-limited, so there was no specific time mentioned on that. And so we've we've said that that is open-ended and therefore he's indicated that he's happy for it to be kept without limitations. When's the decision going to be made, James? How, how is this proceeding? Well, we had a whole day in the High Court in London on Friday and the judge at the end of the day reserved her judgment and it will be handed down and made public uh, within the next fortnight. Okay. Uh, Beth, you've got a website, haven't you, if people want to find
2: out more and support you. what What is that?
24: Yes, it was set up by my well, one of my brother's closest friends. It's www.backbethwarren.co.uk. For anyone that wants to follow it or find out more information, um, that would be fantastic if people could look at that.
2: Well, Beth, if it's all right with you, I'd love to speak to you in a couple of weeks when the the judgment uh, is is passed, if that's okay. Of course. Yes. And uh, thank you very much for your time. Uh, ignore the ignore the idiots on the internet. It's terrible things for people to say. It's Beth Warren, and her solicitor, solicitor. You try saying that solicitor, James Lawford Davis. 08459 455 double five five double five. If you want to uh, find out more, back Beth dot co dot uk. You can also have your say on this on uh, Facebook. Dot .com forward slash BBC 3CR. Oh, it's an unusual situation and a painful situation. I think that's the thing. I only lost her husband two years ago on Sunday. Oh dear. Oh, 455 four double five five double five.
4: Travel news for beds, hards and bugs.
7: BBC Three Counties Radio. Bound is slow going between Junction 10 for Luton Airport and 7 for Hemel Hempstead because a wheelie bin had fallen off a lorry around Junction 10, thanks to Philip and Gary for phoning in. On the northbound, a lane is blocked on the entry slip road at Toddington Services because of vehicle's broken down. And the M25 anti-clockwise very slow between 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio.
2: Alice, thank you very much indeed. 08459 four double five five double five. Maybe I'll speak to you
4: after the latest news and sport with Jane Killick. Across beds, hearts and bugs.
3: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: 7.30, I'm Jane Killick. Hertfordshire police say a corrupt traffic officer who demanded cash from speeding motorists failed to live up to the high standards expected by officers. fan Hussein has been jailed for 12 months. A 28-year-old woman from Newport Pagnell whose husband died of cancer is fighting for the right to keep his sperm for longer. Beth Warren has until April 2015 to act if she wants to have children by him. A council expert says the sinkhole that swallowed a car in High Wycombe is not the only crater to appear in the area over the last few years. Zoe Smith lost her car when a hole appeared in her drive in Walters Ash. The weather, mostly dry and cloudy, with a high of 8 Celsius to sport and in football Chelsea beat Manchester City 1-0 to open up the Premier League title race Branislav Ivanovic got the only goal of the game to move Chelsea level on points with City two behind leaders Arsenal boss Jose Mourinho is still insisting though his side aren't in the title race I think maybe Arsenal is happier than us because now they are top of the league and they play City at the Emirates so maybe now Arsenal feels they are, they are the favourites for the, for the title we go behind them we go behind them and we just play and we watch and we see what, what is happening. Joe Kinnears resigned as Newcastle's director of football after less than eight months in the role. The club failed to sign a player on a permanent deal during Kinnears' spell at the club. Stevenage midfielder John Machinio could make his first start since returning to the club last week in tonight's League One match against Gillingham. Machinio is on loan from Preston; it's his second spell at the Lammicks. Stevenage are still bottom of the table, but Machinio believes they'll get away from the rele- relegation danger.
1: I've been in, you know, some, some scraps before, um, even with Stevenage. I think my first year here, we were we were in a similar situation, um, and obviously managed to get promoted that year. So. Um, you know, there's no, there's no panic, there's, there's, there's no no worry at all. Um, just need to you know, take one game at a time and, and uh, see what we can do, see what we can build on.
0: And in rugby, England wing Johnny May is fit to play in Saturday's Six Nations game against Scotland despite breaking his nose in the defeat by France. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. I'll be back with the full bulletin at 8. Call 08459
4: 455 555.
2: BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm not... I'm not having a pop at bald people. This is not a cheap... Aren't bald people funny? Aren't fat people funny? It's not that at all. Okay? Not having a knock at bald people. I empathise with your pain. I understand what it must feel like to be so cruelly robbed of one of human nature's greatest assets. Hair! reason we're talking about it, page 32 of the uh, mail, the good health guide. Bald! Now there's a jab to make hair grow back. Scientists may soon be able to grow new hair on balding scalps, avoiding the need for a hair transplant. Researchers have succeeded in creating new human hair in the laboratory using tiny cells that fuel its growth. The technique has been used to grow new hair follicles in animals and is now being tested on humans. It goes into some scientific detail. Now, not having a laugh at bald people uh, at all, All bald people may say they're happy with their situation. And there may be a tiny percentage that are. I'm not convinced yet. But if you said to all bald people, injection in your head, you grow your hair back. Every single one of you would say, yes, please. I'll have that, please. It's depressing when you start becoming bald, when you start going bald. Now... Touching wood, insula, I won't go bald. Got a thick head of hair. The worst that's going to happen is I'm going to go grey and white head. Brilliant. Bring it on. Like Martin Kemp. Have you seen Martin Kemp? Now he's stopped dyeing his hair. Wowzers. If you're bald, it's difficult, nay impossible, for you to be happy. 08459 455 555. And if the option of having an injection would bring back your hair, you would do it. You'd do it. And you know you'd do it. 08459 four double five five double five. 555 uh, On the subject of bent coppers. Trevor's in Leighton Buzzard. Morning, Trevor. Morning, Ian. Trevor, what would you like to say? I oh,
17: uh, I can't believe people
19: handing over cash, because you know in this country you, you get an FPN. You, you
2: never pay officers on the street. Well, the way this, 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 uh, this gentleman worked, this, uh, what's his name, Irfan Hussain, he was a traffic officer, he'd pull people over and he'd say, look, you're going to get points for speeding unless you give me 60 quid. Now, when a police officer stops you, you kind of getting, you get anxious, don't you? And you don't really, you're not necessarily thinking uh, in the right frame of mind. Now, you may know that you get a, a receipt and you get the, a, a ticket and things like that, but not. I'd imagine there's some people who don't know that, Trevor.
19: Probably, yeah. I mean, I know, in, well, I've been abroad before, but we
2: know about the coppers out there. Oh, flipping uh, out. E- <laughs> this is here's, here's a fact, between 1% and 100% of all coppers in foreign countries are corrupt.
19: Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've had a, run a, a few of them running trucks abroad. But, um, yeah, I mean, in this country, but, I mean, I would have thought most people know you get an FTN and you have to take it to an office to pay it.
2: Do you trust the police in this country, Trevor? They've had a lot of bad press in the last 12 I, months.
19: I, I do, yeah, I do. I've, I've, I've got a few friends at of a police officers, So, yeah, don't have a problem with them. I mean, there are, you know, it's, it's the same as everything else. There'll be the odd one that tarnishes everyone else,
2: you know. Trevor, thank you very much indeed. And that's a true statistic. Between one and one hundred percent of all foreign police officers are corrupt. Staggering. Staggering thought. Pat's texted in. Ian, how can you trust the police full stop? In America they say period. That's weird, isn't it? I've always thought that's weird. It's
5: just different.
2: But why do they call a full stop a period? Why why? Do we
5: I have no idea. It may be that in olden days we used to call it that too. Because a lot of their words, like fall and stuff, is from the older English and our language moved on and theirs didn't.
2: What's the island? There's an island where it's either near America or New Zealand, or somewhere, where they still talk in 18th century English.
5: Oh! There
2: is a place, isn't there? I think so. I'd love to go there and corrupt them. Yea, verily. (laughs) How cool would that be? What's the... There is an island... Well, they speak 18th century English because it's untainted by technology uh, and things. Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. 555, anyone else. Anyway, sorry, back to Pat's text. How can you trust the police full stop? They pick and choose which crimes to attend. They never update you on crimes reported. The police service in its current form is run to satisfy targets and government ministers. Closing police stations and using call centres has only pushed the police further away from the public. PCSOs should be replaced with b- real police officers. Give us back a police force, and not a service," says Pat. Oh eight four five nine, four double five five double five. Collins in Luton. Colin,
16: bring back Dixon of Dark Green.
2: Or Z cars. Oh oh yeah. Oh yes. Oh no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh dear. <laughs> now, Colin. That's me. Do you know? Do you know the name of this island where they only speak 18th no. century English? No, I'll
16: be. I'll be very honest with you. Until you said it just now, I had no idea it was
2: there. Catherine, Catherine, you're saying Tangier Island. I've
5: just looked at it. I've looked it up, and it's there. Seems to be one called Tangier Island. Is it Virginia? Would that be right?
2: I thought it was something like Saints I thought it was a Saint something <laughs> like Saint Augustine or Saint Cramwell. Or St. Bramley or something.
5: Something like that. Okay, I'll. Um, but
2: I don't know why. What, what have you got about Tangier Island?
5: Tangier Island, Virginia, has a small population with a unique English accent. The accent, which is known as Hoitoida, is similar to the English Restoration Era dialect. Hoytoyda. John Smith was the first European settler on the island. John Smith, of course, of Pocahontas fame.
2: Oh, you're the Car Disney. Yeah. Where is this island? Virginia. What?
5: America.
2: Uh. No, hang on. What in America? Mm-hmm. Well, it's in America?
5: Well, it belongs to Virginia, I suppose. It's off Virginia. Let me oh. look further into this.
2: Okay, you you investigate further, Catherine. Yeah, interesting. N- n- yeah, there's an island. They speak 18th century English. Mm. I'd love to get a call from that island, or from someone pretending to be from that island. <laughs> anyway, what do you want, fella? The real
16: real reason I rang up, yes, was, Colin, um, about Baldies. Yes. I'm well. I'm. I started going bald in my late twenties.
2: Oh, mate, I'm so so sorry, no, Colin.
16: No, don't be. Oh, I just look at it this way. Yeah, I bought myself um, um, a, some of these clipper things. You know, the electric ones, and now I just go over it with uh, with with no sort of. Uh, extensions on it, what? and it saves me loads of money on on on, on shampoo and you
2: know hang on uh, oh Colin Colin what's that noise I can hear? Oh it's the sound of someone clutching at straws. No, 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 you I all you can all you can say that's good about being bald is you save money on shampoo. Oh mate. You miss the joy of standing under a warm shower first thing in the morning, lathering your head up, giving it a good scratch no, and watching those bubbles as they float down those, your back. Mr. flannel
16: And Bob's your uncle it's done.
2: Colin uh, listen if they scientists have found an, an injection that will cure you No I wouldn't mm, Yes you would no, mate I would yes
16: No would No 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 even if I had all the money in It's free Christmas. I'm going to give it to you for, I'm going
2: to give it to you for free No okay? I wouldn't I'm quite happy But you're not Colin <laughs> Don't try and twist No me. I'm not trying to twist you you're yes, twisting you my are. melons man you talk so hip You if you, inside you know when you dream Colin do you dream that you have hair? No. I don't believe you. No. I, no it's like um, the, the lame dream they can walk and blind people can see in their dreams. Colin in Luton dreams, no. he has a full head of hair. No what I would you go God. for? A La- you what would you go for? Would you go for a Lawrence you, Llewellyn you Bowen? Feedback. Or would you go for a Roger Daltrey Perm? No, I, none of those. Which? What would you go for then?
16: I'm quite happy without any
2: hair. Oh, Colin! Well, listen. You keep on. You keep on saying that, and maybe one day, maybe one day, you just might it believe it. Just,
16: just think, in, in, in the summer when it's hot and sunny, my bald pack, my bald head yes. goes a nice mahogany colour.
2: The thing is, Colin, think of all the money I'm saving on sun cream that I don't have to put on my I bald head. Sun cream. Well, then you're a very foolish man. hair is God's protection from sunstroke. Uh, I'm careful. There we go. He's careful. He uses protection. Colin there, putting a brave face on what's actually a pretty tragic situation. Well done, Colin. And you, you keep saying that mantra. And uh, what do they call those things? You say, um, not euphemisms.
5: A self-fulfilling
2: prophecy. No, the thing where you keep saying it. And so it, people, you look in the mirror and say, I am beautiful. I am beautiful. Oh.
0: Psychological things.
2: Yeah, it's um, an affirmation? Yes. An affirmation. Yeah, There's I, a
5: brilliant one online. Have you seen The, the American Kid? No. I'm great. Them. She does that every morning. Oh, God. While leaping around. Americans, does really. Does it work? She's pretty awesome.
2: All right, let's try, and...
5: try it. I should try it every morning. Okay.
7: I'm tall. I'm big.
2: Yeah, I don't think she's quite understood it, has she? Colin, they're putting on a brave face. He's miserable as sin inside. We know that. We can hear them. We can hear a broken man crying and sobbing he into his can't reach his top shelf, workplace. can
5: <laughs> You know, he's finding light in whatever he can.
2: I know. He really is. God has dealt him a very, very poor hand. Hasn't he? Hasn't he?
5: Hey, we- speaking of America... Yeah? You weren't, but Tangier, Virginia. Do you want to know more?
2: Yeah, well, yeah, I do. Can
5: you hear the kettle boiling? That's I another can. great
2: thing. Oh, sweet.
5: Here's a town in Accomack County, Virginia, United States, on che- Tangier Island in Chesapeake Bay. Sounds great, doesn't it? Yeah. Population was 727 in the 2010 census, so there aren't a lot of people there. Yeah. The majority of the original uh, se- yeah. settlers were from southwest England, so they'll be talking like that, won't they? And the tiny island community has attracted the attention of linguists because people speak unique English Restoration-era dialects. Oh, American it, English. Must, it
2: must be that place then! Fantastic. When do we go? What can we? Is there a phone number? right, Catherine, for the island. Your your mission now is to get in touch. Is to get someone from that island on the show. Surely,
5: they will have to send like um, a messenger.
2: No, I think with they have parchment. T- I think. That, well, I'm assuming they have telephones. Can we find the mayor? There must be a tourist board or a mayor or. Listen to this. Owing to the island's isolation, the
5: residents' lifestyles are characterized as laid back and folksy. I bet they're great. I can hear you
0: scratching
10: your beard then. The
5: isolation also contributes to the prevalence of tangier disease. Let's oh on hang on a minute.
2: What's tangier disease? It's
5: taking a dark turn. A recessive genetic disorder which oh. causes high blood cholesterol cholesterol that's named oh. after the island's residents.
2: A genetic disorder. Hang on a sec. How do you get one of those? There's, oh right. There's yeah. only
5: one school on the island with fewer than ten children in each grade.
2: Wowzers. So they're all at it.
5: The resident, well, not very much. The residents were given access to cable, television and internet through a new microwave tower in the spring of 2010. There are, there are phone lines on the island. Two doctors live on the island currently, but practice in Delaware. David Nichols treated right. resident for 30 uh, years. I don't understand this.
2: OK, don't, well, then don't read it out. My, suggestion, my, uh, my request is, can we get someone from the island on this show, please?
5: You really want to open that?
2: I want to open that can of worms. That genetic can of worms.
5: All right, listen, we'll see what we can do.
2: Th- so that's a yes? That's a definite yes? Yes, it is, Ian. I'll do that for you. Thank you so much. They don't
5: seem to like strangers. The Tangier Council blocked Warner Brothers from using the island to film the 1999 Kevin Costner film, Message in a Bottle, objecting to the script's drinking, profanity and sex. They're not going to like you.
2: (laughs) Oh, how rude, rude, Steve. Can you
25: believe that? I I, I certainly can believe that. Oh, verily, I can.
2: Hey, there you go. Yay and indeed forsooth. Are you bald, Steve? Uh, Yes, I am. Oh, mate, I'm so sorry. Oh, why are you sorry? How my is it... Mrs. Love,
17: my Mrs. Loves it, so that's basically why I'm bald. But... And if I, and if I do grow any hair, it grows aside the side, and then I'll look really stupid.
2: If they... If, so if I, doctors... If you went to the doctors and said, Steve, just one injection will, will grow your hair back, you'd take
25: it, wouldn't you? No, no. I would not take it. The thing that I don't understand is, how come all the hair falls off my head, but it grows everywhere?
4: Thank you very much indeed. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs.
3: BBC
7: Three Counties Radio. The M1 southbound is slow between Junction 10 for Luton Airport and 7 for Hemel Hempstead because a wheelie bin has fallen off a lorry around Junction 10 for Luton. On the northbound, a lane is blocked on the entry slip road at the Tonnington services because a vehicle broke down. And the M40 northbound looking slow on the speed sensors coming off the A40 towards the M25... And the M25 itself, anti-clockwise, is stop-start between 21 for the M1 and 16 for the M40. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Gossett, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much.
2: 7.46, Tuesday, the 4th of February. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A former Hertfordshire policeman is starting a 12-month jail sentence for fining motorists and pocketing the cash. A woman from Newport Pagnell is asking the High Court for more time to conceive her dead husband's children. In football, Chelsea achieved a 1-0 victory against Manchester City, putting them level on points. Coming up, more of your phone calls on bent coppers and uh, Boldness, and we'll also get the latest on that sinkhole. But before that, let's get the weather with Kate.
3: Beds, hearts and bucks weather.
4: BBC Three Counties Radio
15: or two showers around. They'll blow through quite quickly on the southerly breeze that they shouldn't last for too long. Some brighter spells this afternoon but the wind will start to increase. Maximum temperature up to around 8 Celsius. Now overnight the wind continues to strengthen and we could be seeing gale force winds through the middle part of the night. Gusts of 50 maybe 60 miles per hour likely accompanied by some heavy and prolonged spells of rain. Now the Met Office has issued a yellow weather warning for the strong wind and the rain overnight tonight. It's falling of course on Saturday Rated ground is not helping any flooding situations at all. So this rain continues through to dawn tomorrow morning, but then it will turn into showers, blustery showers as we're hanging on to the wind. The minimum temperature down to five Celsius. Through Wednesday, frequent showers, frequent and persistent. So they kind of all join together, making one, one big shower. And uh, we're hanging on to those gale force winds as well, I'm afraid. The maximum temperature around eight Celsius. And if you're heading further through the week, as we head through Thursday, a bit of respite, but then the next potential heavy spell of rain overnight Thursday into Friday morning. That's your forecast.
3: Roberto Peroni.
8: Or we'll talk about your partner's annoying habits. This after a woman foul divorce after just one week. I, I know I, was, I snore and I snore badly, but I can't help it. Roberto Peroni. It's Friday. Why am I even bothering to go to work today? You've got to. You never know when a dome suddenly appears in front of you and you've got to dive in. You need a lot of love, a bit of patience to keep a relationship going.
3: Sometimes you have to turn a blind eye. Roberto Peroni. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio.
2: I'm getting all kinds of abuse on Twitter. Uh, El Baldinio, what? At Magic Baldy says uh, fiction. Doesn't believe that bald men are unhappy. Paul Scoyne's political reporter, has waded into the de- uh, into the debate. As per you, what about Minty from Eastenders? I don't see no Minty on no Eastenders no more. I don't see no Minty on no Eastenders no more. Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give me a call. Uh, You can also send me uh, an email, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. Let's spell it the the correct way, please, shall we? Uh, And we get lots of stories from you. And if you've got a good story you think we should be doing on the show, then do send me an email with with a few details about it uh, and a phone number. And it can be something huge that's affecting the whole country, or it can be something tiny that's just affecting your bedroom. If you think it's a story, uh, let me know. Get in touch, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk and um, we'll have a little look into it. And if we think there is some merit to it, then, uh, hey, who knows? You might get to meet one of our um, top team of reporters or you might get to meet Justin Dealey, Tony Fisher or Paul Scoynes. Dreams can come true, kids. ian.lee at bbc.co.uk.
5: I'm writing this email to the people of Tangier, Island. I want to make sure I'm writing it nicely. Yes. I'm the producer of a BBC breakfast programme in the United Kingdom. Yep. Hit with the BBC. Language and the development of new words is something in a recession for my presenter. Oh,
16: God.
2: What?
5: Well, I, mean, I don't want to say... You talk
2: funny. weird. You talk funny. Will you come on and, and do your funny voice for Which us? Which is
5: how the unique way people speak on Tangier Island came up in conversation on the show. We're writing in the hope that someone might be available to join us on air so we can chat about your remarkable and unusual town. Might this be of interest? That's fair enough, isn't it?
7: You might have to write it in a scroll with a quill pen.
2: Who are you going to email it to?
5: Info at tangier
2: You do it that way. Kelly, would you do me a favour? Yes. Would you find out the phone the dialing code for Tangier Island, please, and then just dial some random numbers until you get an answer. It's four in
5: yeah, the morning. I'll do that. It's three in the morning there. Kelly. That's l- even more fun. Yeah,
2: exactly. Would you do that? Just find out the dialing yeah. code and then dial some random numbers until someone picks up and goes, "Yea, Verily, may I help thee? Then you just whack them straight on air. Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your aunt, everybody. For
5: sooth, tis early upon the morrow.
2: Exactly. You do no, your email, no, Catherine. No, no. Kelly, you dial some random numbers. Let's see who comes up trumps. Okay. Excellent stuff, indeed. This is going to be great. Now, do you remember the story, big story yesterday? National coverage, the whole huge hole that swallowed a car on the driveway of a Buckinghamshire home. Zoe Smith from Walters Ash near High Wycombe got up early Sunday morning to find her car had disappeared down a large hole. Well, Zoe's stepdad, uh, Phil Conran, joins me now. Morning, Phil. Morning, in. So, what exactly happened? How did how did Zoe? She got quite upset, didn't she?
1: She did, yeah, yeah. I mean, she she sort of opened the door because she had to go off uh, quite early yesterday. She said she'd open the door at seven o'clock. And, uh, had a look, and the car wasn't there. And she thought, God, it's been stolen. She she came back inside and looked out the window, and then saw this enormous hole.
2: And she, what did you all think when you looked out and saw this?
1: Uh <laughs> just sort of shocked, got yeah. smacked, and my God, these sorts of things don't happen here. Um, Did you not hear
2: anything through the night? Absolutely
1: nothing, no, no, absolutely nothing. The experts reckon that it just sort of sunk away, so it wasn't as though it was wow. a sudden crash, it was just a sliding away of the, uh, the ground, and, and then the tarmac, and then the car.
2: And how, how deep is the hole? Ah, I would say probably about 30 feet. That's incredible.
1: Um, I mean, you know, you've probably seen some of the pictures and the paper, but you can hardly see the car at the bottom. And um, it's very difficult to to get a true sense of the scale from the pictures, but yeah, I'd say probably about thirty feet.
2: Was it? It's Liz, isn't it? Your
1: wife. It is.
2: Yeah, yeah we spoke to Liz yesterday. She was saying that, that that actually you probably can't get the car out. That it, it might have to be the hole might just be filled in with the car in it.
1: Uh, well, the insurance assessors were here all yesterday afternoon, and uh, this is a big debate they're having really as to whether you're going to do more damage, more environmental damage. Really, um, trying to pull it out uh, or leaving it in. Yeah. Uh, obviously, if it stays in, they're going to have to encapsulate it in something. But uh, at the moment, there's a big argument as to which is going to be the best way of dealing with it.
2: And so I guess you've had the car insurance people out. You've had the house insurance people out. What what, what are they... Were they all just kind of they're scratching their heads
1: yesterday (laughs) going, we ain't seen this before? Yeah, the the house insurance people are brilliant. The car insurance people, not quite so. Yeah, tell
2: me about
26: it.
1: (laughs) Yes, I think we all know that. Yeah, so, you know, she's 19 years old, uh, so very heavy excess. Oh, gosh. Of course, they always value the car about half what it's really worth. So actually... Um, I don't think we're going to get much out of car insurance.
2: She's going to end up paying them for the privilege of losing her car I down think a sinkhole. she probably
1: will, yeah. But, so, I mean, what came as a surprise to us um, from the insurance people was that um, because the the, the hole uh, sort of um, appeared up, up against and almost under the house, um, we were covered because, obviously, there's potential damage to the house. Yeah. Uh, had the hole been sort of five metres out from the house, we wouldn't have been covered um, because if there's no risk to the actual building, then... You don't get covered for drives
2: and things. So we'd have been left with this vast bill of having to fill a hole by ourselves. Are you in the house at the moment, Phil? Yeah. And do you feel safe in the house? Yeah, we slept here last night. <laughs> Actually, I would be terrified to go back in there. Who knows what, you're going to come downstairs, you'll have no living room.
1: Uh, to, to be fair, again, I mean, the, the, the insurance guys, you know, they brought a couple of experts along and um, absolutely no sign of any cracks in the house. So they felt that as long as we stayed at the end that was away from the <laughs> hole, um, we were fine. Right. So we're still living in one half of the house at the moment.
2: And is it true the council have advised you to get out?
1: Uh, the council initially did, right. um, but uh, we, we had um, you know, quite a uh, group of people here on Sunday. Um, when it first happened, we contacted the police, and you get the old pun of, uh, what was their reaction? We're looking into it.
27: Oh, yes, uh, very but, clever. Yeah,
1: well done. Uh, and then they turn up, in the fire brigade, and then uh, the council people turned up as well, and initially everyone was extremely cautious and said, you know, you really shouldn't be in there. But I think people started to accept that actually parts of the house weren't nearly as bad yeah. as the other parts.
2: Is it true there's another sinkhole in the village somewhere? Uh, uh, mm, We've heard
1: about it. Uh, there's a, a recreation ground probably about a mile, a mile up the, the, the um, road from us on yeah. um, the other end of the village, and uh, there's a picture of somebody looking at what looks as though there's been uh, some slight sort of subsidence, uh, but certainly nothing that's sort of you know, fallen away. And, and I think this is the astonishing thing here. It's the volume of earth that's just disappeared. <sighs>
2: Uh, Phil, this was—I mean, this was a huge story yesterday. It was in all the papers. It was on TV. It was on the radio. You, you, you surprised by the attention that you've received?
1: <laughs> Absolutely gobsmacked. I, I literally—we we had no time for anything yesterday. Um, we didn't have a shower until about five o'clock in the evening. But no breakfast, no lunch. It was just incessant the whole day. Uh, quite extraordinary. Completely unexpected.
2: And I guess you just kind of wait to see what happens now. You wait to see w- what the insurance people do and...
1: yeah, um... uh, you know, this is one of the good things about the publicity is obviously the insurance are quite keen to yeah. be seen to be doing it all quite quickly and, and doing it right. Um, so, yeah, they're going to move quite quickly. Uh, they want to sh- certainly get some stuff in there to make sure there's no risk of the house falling away. Uh, and I think we'll see that over the next couple of days. And then they'll take a bit longer to assess what they can do with the car.
2: Well, Phil, I appreciate your time. Do keep in touch. Let us know how things go. And yeah. uh, fingers crossed that, you know, that everything is, is is safe and sound and this is a one-off.
1: I appreciate that. Thank you. Phil, yeah. thank
2: you very much indeed. That's Phil Comeran, who lives in the house in Walters Ash near High Wycombe, where they had a massive sinkhole. We tweeted the pictures yesterday. The pictures are incredible. Imagine that, Catherine. You look out... You, 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 I mean, your car is quite, um, quite a big car. It's quite a it's hefty all window. It's a hefty vehicle, but if you look out in the morning and it's gone, it's just disappeared into a massive hole. The thing is, my boys would love it. My boys would find that hilarious if that happened. They'd think it was the funniest thing. Can we go down the hole, Daddy? I'd be great. At, uh, listen, I'm not suggesting they do this for one second.
5: Would you want to go anywhere near there?
2: Yes, <laughs> yes, I would. Yes, but it's I would.
5: Unstable.
2: Yes, I would want to go down that hole. And I'm not suggesting they do, because who knows what would happen. And if, if a sinkhole happens in your house, then please don't. If a sinkhole happened in my house, I would get some thick... When, when my wife and children were out, I would get a mate round, I would get some thick rope or the washing line, oh. and I would lower myself down there. Totally. Come on! You'd you would be-, be buried
5: alive. Buried alive. In drive. Buried.
2: What a way to go. No, but seriously, you you would be tempted, wouldn't you, dear listener? You would be tempted. Although I tell you a thing I don't get. I've never got this, and I, I think people who do it are weird. Potholing, caving... You know that thing where they go, oh, there's a tiny little crack, there's a tiny crack in a hill. I couldn't do that. I can't
5: have walls so close to my face. Oh,
2: and it, But it's not wall, it's, it's running water, it's rock, and then you have to squeeze through like a tiny hole and then you get to a lovely big cavern. I can't
5: even do those padded play areas.
2: Oh. <laughs> you know the bits where you kind of have
5: to snake up yeah, yeah. through crash mats? Can't oh, do it. Oh, I
2: don't like those bits. They're can't uncomfortable. Can't do it.
5: They're on their own. If they get stuck in there, they are on their own. Wowzers.
2: You, you're, a, you're a tough mum, as they would say. Tough mom. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the uh, the uh, telephone number if you want to um, give us a call. Some Facebook comments on um, Beth Warren who wants the right to um, keep her deceased husband's sperm so that she may or may not well she'll have the choice as to whether she have children. Benjamin says my thoughts with this lady and I can understand where uh, she's coming from. But how would the child feel growing up without its biological father in its life, as surely every child has a right to be with their father? Well, you well, Benjamin, it, it, it's not um, that rare these days. Jenny says, I feel sorry for this lady, but she's not ready to have children now, and maybe never will be. Should they keep the sample forever? What if she enters into another relationship? How will her new partner feel about her choosing between having his children and having her late husbands? Well, I think the argument is, Jenny is that she's not ready to make the decision and she just wants a bit longer so she can get into a place where she is comfortable making that decision. 08459 four double five five double five BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Let's get the travel news with Alice. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs.
7: BBC Three Counties Radio. Starting off with looking at the speed sensors, the A5 southbound is very slow going through Mark Yate. And in Chesham, there are queues on the southbound A10 approaching the M25. On the M1 southbound, slow going between 10 for Luton Airport and 7 for Hemel Hempstead because a wheelie bin had fallen off a lorry earlier around 10 for Luton. Public transport looking good with no reported problems? I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio.
2: Forget the people of Tangier Island, says Phil on Twitter. The way you say the word February makes me smile. I don't understand. There's an R in it. People don't pronounce the first R. There are two R's in it. People don't pronounce the first R in February. Deary me. Bed Copper's coming up. Do you trust the police? We'll find out more after the news and sport with Jane Killick.
3: Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks.
4: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: 8 o'clock. I'm Jane Killick. The headlines, jailed for a Hertfordshire traffic cop who pocketed fines from motorists. A woman from Newport Pagnall fights for more time to have her dead husband's child. And family living next to the Buckinghamshire sinkhole say they feel safe. BBC
3: Three Counties Radio
0: A corrupt traffic cop from Hertfordshire is beginning a 12-month prison sentence this morning. Irfan Hussein from Stevenage gave speeding motorists on the spot fines and pocketed the cash. Sophie Khan of the Police Action Centre says a vacuum of supervision in the police means this isn't the only case.
6: I think there's a large number of officers that I think that because um, there isn't the supervision and accountability, that they may be able to get away with, um, you know, bending the law. But at the end of the day, you know, they do get caught. Um, It doesn't go away.
0: A tidal wave of cancer is set to sweep the globe over the next two decades, according to the World Health Organization. It predicts longer lifespans and increasing populations will cause rates of the disease to rise from 14 million a year to 24 million a year by 2035. The WHO says the cost of treatments are spiralling out of control and governments should concentrate on trying to prevent the disease instead. A woman from Newport Pagnell is hoping the High Court will allow her more time to have her late husband's child. John Warren saved his sperm before his cancer treatment, but his wife Beth is running out of time to use it before it's destroyed. Beth says she needs more time to decide what to do.
24: I feel like maybe I would be holding on to him. Is, the, is it the right reason? Am I doing it? Because that's what I should be doing, because it's what we talked about, because we planned for Or is it because I still feel a bit heartbroken and lonely? Right now it's not the right time to be starting to try and get pregnant.
0: BBC News has learned that a former UK Independence Party spokesman was jailed for seven years in Britain for leading a kidnap gang in Pakistan. After being released, Mujib Bhutto claimed political asylum in Britain before becoming UKIP's Commonwealth spokesman. A 48-hour strike on the London Underground will start at 9 o'clock tonight. Unions are protesting about the planned closure of ticket offices, which they say will cost nearly 1,000 jobs. A family living in a house next to a 30-foot deep sinkhole in High Wycombe say they feel safe in their home. A car on their drive disappeared into the hole when it opened up at the weekend. Householder Phil Conran told Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio they slept there last night without a problem.
1: Uh, to, to be fair, again, I mean the, the, the insurance guys—you know—they brought a couple of experts along, and um, absolutely no sign of any cracks in the house. So they felt that as long as we stayed at the end that was away from the <laughs> hole, um, we were fine. Right. So we're still living in one half of the house at the moment.
0: And in football, Chelsea have drawn level on points in the Premier League title race with Manchester City after beating their rivals 1-0 at the Etihad Stadium. The weather, mostly dry with broken cloud and sunny spells, the odd isolated shower this morning and getting windy this afternoon with a high of 8 Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash threecounties.
2: Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Just bear bear with me a second, would you mind? Be with you in a second. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I was prank calling political reporter Paul Scoynes. We have a little game where we phone each other up and the phone remains silent. I just did it while I was on air. He was furious. You should be on air. (laughs) I'm sorry to indulge myself like that, but thank you. Lots coming up on the show this morning, including a former Hertfordshire policeman has been sentenced to 12 months for handing out his own on-the-spot fines. Incredible story. We'll find out more in a bit. And we're asking, do you trust the police? A Buckinghamshire widow is fighting for the right to bear her late husband's children. And if you're bald, are you really happy? Come on, if you were offered the chance to find uh, to grow hair, you'd do it, wouldn't you? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR 81333. Start your text 3CR or you can give me a call
4: 08459 455 555.
2: Across
3: beds, hearts, and bucks.
4: This is BBC Three Counties Radio. A former Hertfordshire policeman has been
2: jailed for 12 months for handing out his own on the spot fines. Traffic officer Irfan Hussein from Stevenage told speeding drivers they'd avoid points by paying up. He then pocketed the cash. Hussain, who has since resigned, admitted one count of misconduct in public office, three counts of fraud, fraud, and three counts of perverting the course of justice. Well, what would you do in that situation? And when you hear stories like this, how does it make you feel? Do you trust the police? Well, earlier on, we sent Justin Daly to find out what you think.
10: I'd probably just go along with what the policeman said. I'd believe him and just do what he asked me to do.
12: It's concerning, isn't
10: it? It is, really, yeah.
12: Mm, I mean, what's your trust like in the police?
10: I thought I had complete trust, but I'm beginning to wonder now, especially with all the Hillsborough stuff going on as well.
12: Dale, you just got into your vehicle here. I um, want to put a quick question to you. If you got pulled over by a police officer for speeding and he said to you, you're going to get points on your licence or if you give me 30 or £60 pounds, on the spot fine and we'll say no more about it, what would you do in that situation? I'd go back to the police force and report that officer. Yeah, I would, because it's untrustworthy, isn't it? Very interesting you say that. We're talking about this copper who has been taking the money. He's now gone to jail for 12 months. What's your trust like in the police force as we currently stand? Do you trust the police? Yeah, I do. Yeah, you have to. If you can't trust the police, who can you trust? Pay the on-the-spot fine, straight away. No questions? No questions.
19: Yeah, if he's serious about giving me points, obviously I drive for a living, so I, I'll have to take the, I'll have to take the fine straight away. Uh, I'll get them to prove
23: it, and if they couldn't, then so be. You know what can they do? It's a power of intimidation. The police, is not they? Is your trust in the police force at an all-time low right now? I wouldn't say I, I don't distrust them. Certain ones obviously do their job, but other ones, they, in my eyes, don't really have an idea about what they do. You know, it's, it's all about get the numbers up, get them out there, and try and police the streets and. They don't really do it that well,
2: do they? Well, joined now by Roger Seaborn, who is a uh, former member of the Hertfordshire Police and Crime Panel. What do you make of this case, Roger?
19: Uh, well, good morning, Ian. Uh, uh, I'm not totally sure why you're actually talking to me about this, as it's uh, not actually in my area, as I represent Three Rivers rather than Stevenage, but uh, nevertheless, I don't know an awful lot about the case, I'm afraid. Oh.
2: Do you think that the public perception of uh, uh, police officers is tainted and affected by things like this?
19: not it's not good publicity but one has to put it in perspective uh, there are 130 odd thousand policemen in the country all doing a fantastic job we, we have a fantastic police force in in, in this country uh, particularly in Hertfordshire with one of the best and lowest crime rates uh, in the country uh, and three rivers who i represent has, a, has the lowest crime rate in Hertfordshire with probably the best constabulary there is so you, one has to put it in perspective in terms of numbers really
2: We do do hear stories. It's been a tough year for the police with Hillsborough, with Plebgate, with things like this, lots of little things that, that just kind of chip away at public confidence, don't they?
27: Well,
19: well, yes, they do. And, uh, unfortunately, there's nothing There's nothing like bad news to, to get uh, broadcasters and the media onto it rather than good news. I mean, I, I'm interested, for example, this.
2: Particular... But good news, But good, listen, good news isn't interesting, is it? When there is a bent copper who is taking money and stealing from people, that that's, needs to be reported, doesn't it? It has to be reported. It would be a, a remiss of us not to report it. When Hillsborough came out, it would have been remiss of us not to report it. Plebgate, we had to report it.
19: I absolutely agree, of course, you have to report it, but also it's, it's very good to report the good news. I mean, just a matter of interest, did you in fact uh, report, report the fact, I don't know, it's an honest question, did you in fact report the fact when um, this particular constable uh, uh, received a Royal Humane Society to reward in 2011 for actually saving the suicidal man's life? Yes, we did. Oh, good. Well, I'm very pleased. That's balanced. That's, I'm pleased to hear that because I wasn't listening to your show in 2011. Um, but as I say, one has to put it in, in perspective. Hillsborough was a long
2: time ago. No, 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 Roger, it was a long time ago. It's only just you coming do, out at the do moment. You do
19: keep interacting me, in. I, I mean, you've asked to speak to me. I haven't asked to speak to you.
2: OK, well, we'll just say goodbye then, Roger. Thanks very much indeed. That was weird, wasn't it? Hillsborough was a long time ago, so let's just forget about it. Well, yeah, that's not quite how things
4: work, Roger.
3: Across beds, hearts and bucks.
4: This is Ian Lee.
3: BBC Three Counties Radio.
2: If you're going to come on with a cob on, then don't come on. You know, you don't have to come on. We book guests, we ask guests to come on. If you don't want to talk about the story we're talking about, then just say, oh, I don't know anything about it. Don't um, take the booking you know, just because you want to come on with an agenda and then start throwing around wild accusations that are untrue about um, balance. Peter's on the line. Morning, Peter. Good morning, Ian. Peace be ready. Now, I, I need some peace right now, fella. What have you got for me?
23: Well, calm down for a start.
2: Calm down, dear. Uh,
23: in all walks of society, there is always the minority that completely ruin it for the majority. Yes. So uh, we've just got to live with that, unfortunately.
2: You're right. We do have to live with that, um, yes.
23: Peter, you're not bald, are you? Yes, bald as a coot. Um, and uh, the disadvantage is that uh, in the winter, the dome gets cold. Yep. In the summer, it gets a bit too hot, so one has to cover up, of course. But the advantage is, when having a shower, instant dry, no problem.
2: Oh. <laughs> but I like this. No, this is one of the joy. One of the joys of being in a hot country or in the summer is having the, the cooling shower and allowing your hair to dry naturally. Oh, it's wonderful. Uh, yeah, I can do that with the hairs on my chest, but not on oh. my But come and on, he... Peter, be on it. Be honest. If, if someone came up to you and said, look, here's an injection, here's a tablet. You will grow your hair back. You'd take it, wouldn't you?
23: No, I wouldn't. No, 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 no. Oh. I'd, I'd, I'd go to a sinkhole and look down the sinkhole. Yes. Which brings me to that subject. Thank go you very on. much. <laughs> um, I used to live in North Kent, uh, in North and area, where these holes appeared on a regular basis, uh, especially when people were building newer housing estates, etc., in the 60s, because they were holes that were dug... Uh, 5,000 years ago by a Stone Age man oh. threw into the chalk after flint to make their paws and arrows and what have you. And uh, uh, they were known colloquially as Dean Holes. As what? Holes? Dean Holes? Dean Holes. They called them Dean Holes. Yes. And uh, yes, the front gardens have vanished and rear gardens Gosh. have vanished. Middle of the roads have vanished. And uh, yes, usually go about 30, 40 feet down. And at the bottom... If you're lucky, uh, there'd be little tunnels off that... Oh! Tunnels <laughs> off! Amazing, yeah. So this
2: is the thing, this is why, and I, if it ever happens to you, don't do it, but I would have. I would get a torch, I'd get my little um, light that clips to my head, and I would climb down there and have a little look around.
23: Well, yes, I suppose so, but uh, there could be noxious gases down there.
2: There I would actually, be if I was down there.
23: I, I lived... In- <laughs> I'd be terrified. I, I I lived in a house... Um, in, a, in a little uh, village in Kent, and uh, my father said, uh, that's where I want the pond. I said, no, it's under a tree. No, that's where I want the pond. So we, we decided to dig the hole, and we came across a brick dome, and this brick dome literally was over one of these uh, holes, something yeah. over in the Victorian times, and it went down 30, 40 feet, and there was tunnels off, etc. but uh, that got filled in by the council. Amazing bit of
2: work. Peter, thank you very much indeed. I've had a fascinating email, Catherine, from Paul Scoynes, political reporter. All right. right. It is this genuine. If you want, call me about potholing and I'll tell you about my experience. Political reporter Paul Scoynes goes potholing. It seems a type. Can we he get likes him on?
5: equipment, doesn't
2: he? <laughs> he does. He, I bet he's got the full suit. Of course he has. Can we get speak to him after half past eight? Of course we can. Fine. I, I don't get the fascination of potholing. John's in Milton Keynes. Morning, John. Good morning. John, what have you got for me?
28: Well, uh, the story about uh, America, uh, from memory, it's a peninsula.
2: Oh, this is the, the place where they speak Old English?
28: Exactly so, yeah. Now, this was covered... Many years ago uh, by Alistair Cook in his BBC Two series, yeah. Alistair Cook's America. Oh, yes. And he actually interviewed, He went to this, onto this peninsula and interviewed the people who lived there. And, oh, yes, they were speaking in Old English in uh, an, old, old, uh, uh, an Old English accent.
2: Fasc- I, I miss Alistair Cook. He was good, wasn't he? He was brilliant. He was brilliant. I miss him a lot. Uh, it, it, did it... Uh, why? Is it just because they're completely isolated from the rest of the world?
28: Yeah, and wish to remain so. Oh. Uh, and, and wish to the... the. Uh, apparently, the original settlers uh, came from England, oh. of course, uh, and wanted to uh, preserve the old English... Uh, uh, accent and uh, the old English speech oh. and uh, certainly when Alistair Cook did the uh, uh, did the story um, uh, in fact uh, I mean this is a few years ago now but it rema- it remains so that they spoke
2: in old English in an old English accent John thank you very much indeed in that case Kelly put that phone down don't you dare phone them up don't phone them up Kelly put the phone down
5: I are YouTubed are you him yeah. They do sound... Do you remember when they um, played you that Chaucer tape at school?
2: Uh, not really. I was, they did all, I was not paying attention. It was like
5: though. Ringo Starr. Oh. There's a bit of the Ringo Starr about it.
2: Ringo Starr's not Chaucerian.
5: Uh, it was a caller. He, he, was, he
2: was in the Beatles. It was like,
5: there was a that call Eric Man. Like that.
2: We've totally got to get them on, but don't let Kelly speak to them.
10: Oh, we should teach them some new slang. Some
2: <laughs> oh, words. What, and ruin it? <laughs> Kelly's going to corrupt an island. I oh, know. Again. <laughs> it's like that summer in
4: 2012. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs.
7: BBC Three Counties Radio. The M40 northbound slow going coming from the A40 up to the M25 and then the M25 itself anti-clockwise is stop start between junction 21 for the M1 and 16 for the M40. On the speed sensors the A41 southbound has queues slightly longer than usual this morning approaching the M25 and the A5 southbound very slow through Mark Yates. On public transport, we've got no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio.
2: Alice, thank you very much. Right, it's coming up to 8.16. I'm getting peckish. It's Tuesday, the 4th of February. I mean, Lee, these are your... There's an R. There are two R's in it. You've got to say both of them or else you're not doing the word justice. A former Hertfordshire policeman is starting a 12-month jail sentence for fining motorists and pocketing the cash. A woman from Newport Pagnell is asking the High Court for more time to conceive her dead husband's children. In football, Chelsea achieved a 1-0 victory against Manchester City, putting them level on points. The weather, sunshine and isolated showers today becoming a little bit breezy.
3: BBC Three Counties Radio.
12: Tonight, attention turns to the relegation fight at the Lamex. To be a League One club next year, we'll need 9 or 10 wins. Stevenage hosts mid-table Gillingham, knowing a win is a must. It's up to us to punch as many of the 60-odd points there are to win. Um, up to us to punch as many of them out as possible. Listen to the whole game live with Three Counties Sports.
23: Oh, what a finish that was to a fantastic Stevenage move.
12: Stevenage versus Gillingham, tonight from 7, here on BBC Three Counties Radio.
23: Morning. <laughs>
2: Morning! I don't like rudeness. No, I can tell. It's I don't too. like rudeness, rudeness when it's just done for the sake of being rude and there's no intelligence behind it. Oh. That's why I have to ask you to leave. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. You're more than welcome to stay. You're oh, right. thanks, yes. Be- I like that shirt. This is a different shirt to the one last week. But look, this one's tighter, look. I can see that.
22: It's quite <laughs> tight, isn't it? <laughs> D- don't even start. Why? I, I weighed myself last night. Oh, dear. I'm turning into a right fatty. Mm, have a Se- look. Seriously, I've got, to get on a, I've got to get on it. I've got to get on a diet. Get one of your uh, middle-hour guests to come in and uh, <laughs> you teach you how to pop Honest, Honestly, I have got to lose some of this weight. I'm almost back to my all-time fatness. Wowzers. Mm. Do you weigh yourself, then? Because I don't. I haven't weighed myself since before Christmas.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a mistake that was last night before bed. See, I don't weigh myself I know when I'm a little bit podgy I'm a little bit podgy at the moment do with losing a little bit of weight Because I can see it and I can feel it I don't need to know the numbers Right You know when you, you're a bit chubby uh, <laughs> checker <laughs> well, yes Yes Okay Well, anyway I think you look wonderful <laughs> oh, Thank you very much Well, they said? you say to, um, When you've not seen someone for a long time Oh, you're looking healthy Oh, you mean fat <laughs> Yes, a little bit <laughs> yeah, fat I'm plump, thanks a lot Yes
22: You haven't seen me in pants It's not pretty Why, why would you put that image in my head? Oh, sorry. Have you got an image of me in pants now?
2: I've got an image of you in pants dancing with your cat. It's not quite that weird in my luxury penthouse apartment. What's on your show this morning you naughty man? Coming up this morning on the big
22: phone in, do you think children should go to school when they're two? The schools minister Liz Truss says children should go to school from the age of two. The government backs these plans and has committed to removing red tape to make it easier for schools to open their doors to two year olds. As well as opening their doors to younger toddlers, Liz Truss wants them to look after children for longer throughout the day so parents can still do a full day work. Around 49 primary heads across the UK, they've been given £1,000 to help establish an area in their schools where two-year-olds can be cared for And education. Sorry, thousand pounds. Thousand pounds sweetener in order for them to try and allocate a part of the school where all of these uh, young two-year-olds can go to be schooled. Okay. Well, from nine this morning, I want your views on this. Do you think children should go to school when they're two? How
2: old are your boys now? Four, and one's just turned two. Right. No, they shouldn't. No. No, they should. I think they at nursery they can learn. I think they can definitely learn things at nursery. It shouldn't just be a free for all. Uh, But but school. No, that sounds uh, why because aren't we
22: going to be left behind by all these other countries i mean at uh, i don't know what what age they go to school in china oh before they're even born well practically yes exactly but aren't we going to be left behind sending our children to school at five and then finishing at 16 don't we need to have our children doing 10-hour days starting at the age of two learning 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 no oh
2: my god from
22: nine this morning, your views. Do you think children should go to school when they're two? 08459
2: five double five. Horrified. <laughs> what are you horrified about? Your, your unpleasant vision of what the world should be like, <laughs> of how we should uh, abuse our children by t- stealing their well, childhoods. E- educating them. Stealing a two-year-old's childhood. They'll still have fun. I would imagine
22: much of the learning will involve the sand pit.
3: Across beds, hearts and bucks.
4: This is Ian Lee.
3: BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Oh, dear.
2: Sometimes you think you know somebody and then, boom, they give you a sucker punch to the gut that sends you reeling. Story we've been talking about all morning. A Newport Pagnell widow is fighting for the right to bear her late husband's children. Warren Brewer had a sample of his sperm placed in storage before undergoing radiotherapy treatment in 2005. The trouble is, current fertility rules mean it can only be stored for ten years. As Warren died before he could sign paperwork to extend that standard time frame, that only gives Beth until next April. And she's not ready to start a family, so she's urging the High Court to show some leniency. Well, Professor Dan Concherbock is uh, Emeritus Professor at the the University of Wales. He was conceived with donated sperm and is also an expert in medical ethics. Well, there's an introduction I wasn't expecting to read, Dan. Uh, You back Beth's
29: case, do you? I do. Tell me why. Well, I think that this is really an arbitrary rule, uh, a 10-year rule, and uh, there's no reason that uh, it couldn't be extended. There are... uh, reasons why she wants to put off this pregnancy and uh, I I think that it would be far better if she were allowed to do so.
2: Is there something, Dan, in um, this has been going on for a couple of years since her husband passed away, uh, that this this kind of uh, case and this kind of uh, example it can stop people from grieving and moving on in a natural way?
29: Um, Well, her case is is very unusual. Um, She is relatively young and she has experienced um, the death of her husband, and uh, she is grieving. Uh, I think she should be allowed to grieve. Uh, I, I'm sure the law, when it was conceived, didn't take into account these kinds of unusual situations, and it's a pity that it, it hasn't. Um,
2: what What's the situation? Do you think that the children w- would it affect the children knowing that this happened?
29: Oh, uh, you mean the, the child that would eventually the, be
2: p- the born? potential child? Yes. Well, I think
29: this is this is a case where the donor is the father. It's not an, an anonymous donor. I mean, in my case, I don't know who my father was. Um, he was an anonymous donator of sperm. Um, I wasn't told until my late 20s wow. that I was the product of artificial insemination, which was a shock, and that, that really was a mistake. Uh, but I think in the case of this child, this child will be told inevitably because there's every reason to do so. The the real father, the child's father, um, was the husband of of the mother, and there's no reason to keep it a secret. So, I I mean, I I think that it's something the child won't find. Um, It's very upsetting that that the father has died, but at least um, uh, there will be information about who the father was.
2: Dan, if you don't mind me asking, were you brought up with, with, you know, a mother and a father?
29: Oh, I was. And did you assume that that gentleman was your biological dad? I did, because um, on my birth certificate, it says that he was my father. So this was a a buried secret. It shouldn't have been, but it was a buried secret for over 20 years. Even my grandmother wasn't told.
2: And when you... when you found how did you find out was it by accident did your mum kind of say look actually we've got no, something to tell
29: you no well the problem was that i didn't get along with my father i never did and i don't look like my I, I, my father's no longer alive but i i didn't look like my father we didn't have the same interests he was an orthopedic surgeon and i'm not particularly scientific and uh, and he didn't like me and i didn't know why he didn't like me um and i eventually said to my mother this was in my late 20s i said uh, Is Dad really my father? I assumed that I was. She'd had an affair, and she told me no, and she told me the truth that I was the product of artificial insemination. I I know that it's the truth because I spoke eventually to the doctor who arranged the uh, artificial insemination.
2: Would you? uh, Sorry, I'm just finding this absolutely fascinating, Dan. Apologies if I'm asking any questions that are inappropriate. No, no, not at all. Would you want to know who your father was, or do you do you not feel that's important to you? Well,
29: that's a very good question. I did go, I was conceived at the University of Chicago, you can hear from my accent that I'm an American. I picked that up, sir, yes. Um, and I went there uh, because I was in American. I was in Chicago, but it's anonymous, they wouldn't tell me. Um, but uh, I feel myself that it's important that the donors can be anonymous if they wish to do so. Mm. That's no longer allowed in Britain, yeah. I think, and that, is, that has reduced the number of sperm donors and the amount of sperm that's available, which I think is a pity. Um, so um, I would like to know something about my father. I assume he was probably a medical student because it was done at the University of Chicago Medical School. But I, I, don't, I really don't know. Um, and I, I, I have talked to other people. There's sort of a network of us, uh, are those of us who are, are products of artificial insemination. And, and most of the people that I've contacted and, and have come across very much want to know who who their father is and mm. gone on a quest i don 't feel that myself, but I do recognize that probably most most people like me do want to know mm.
2: uh, it 's fascinating Dan thank you so much. I know we went on a slight tangent there and talked about you, but i uh, I thought it was a unique opportunity to uh find out more about a fascinating story Dan thank you very much indeed that 's professor uh, Dan con sherbach uh, from the University of Wales. That was interesting, wasn't it? It
5: was so interesting.
2: I'm curious as to to, to what kind of it, it's interesting. I mean, listen, if you were, um, I know it's a long shot, guys, but if any if anybody's listening was was conceived in that kind of way, then oh eight four five nine four double five five double five, would would you feel a connection? I mean, he obviously doesn't feel a connection, a particularly strong connection, with his his the the, the don- donator, his biological father.
5: I guess it's different if it's a medical procedure yeah. rather than a liaison that your mum hasn't told you about.
2: And what's interesting as well is that, 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 that there was obviously that resentment between him and his dad. Yeah. You know, or, or, coming from his dad, there was a resentment that, that, that there was no explanation for. Or a lack of bond. Crazy, isn't it? Fascinating. Anyway, so I've it was an interesting little tangent to go off on there. Thank you for that, Dan. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five on Facebook, uh, talking about Beth Warren. Uh, Satine says, uh, "I totally back Beth. She's sensible enough to know she needs to be ready when it comes to having a child. Whether or not she uses her late her late husband's sperm should be up to her, not the courts." Carol says, "It's enough. She is grieving for her husband and then have to fight for their child they planned for." Jeremy says, the conversation later on in life you are conceived X years after your dad died, how is that child going to understand this? Birds and bees have a totally different meaning. Well, that conversation I think you, you, you have when they are age-appropriate and you can uh, kind of... Uh Actually, what Carol said, it's, it, it is enough she is grieving for her husband and then have to fight for their child they planned for. It's, it's weird talking about the, the abstract concept of a child that doesn't exist that may or may never exist i'm struggling to get my head around it 08459 455 555 is the telephone number are you scratching your head a little bit we spoke to beth and she didn't she sound absolutely wonderful and hasn't she had a rough couple of years losing her brother and losing her husband and now having to uh, fight in the courts part of me wants to say no it's wrong it's wrong it's weird it's not natural Well, of course it's not natural not weird it's not wrong either that's kind of just my uh, knee-jerk reaction what are your thoughts on it 08459 455555 last 30 minutes of the show we'll also talk about bent coppers potholing i know uh, and
4: bold men they're not happy really are they travel news for beds cards, and bugs
7: bbc three counties radio Going between Bradlett and Park Street. The temporary traffic lights in Coney Street are making things slow at the moment. And on the speed sensors, the A5 southbound, very slow going through Dunstable and Mark Yate. The M40 northbound, struggling coming from the A40 up to the M25. And then the M25 itself, anti clockwise, stop start between junction 20 for Kings Langley and 16 for the M40. On public transport, there's no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, at BBC Three Counties Radio.
4: Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC
0: Three Counties Radio. It's 8.30, I'm Jane Killick. A corrupt traffic cop from Hertfordshire is beginning a 12-month prison sentence this morning. Irfan Hussein from Stevenage gave speeding motorists on the spot fines and pocketed the cash. A woman from Newport Pagnall is hoping the High Court will allow her more time to have her late husband's child. John Warren saved his sperm before his cancer treatment, but his wife Beth is running out of time to decide whether to use it. A family living in a house next to a 30 feet deep sinkhole in High Wycombe say they feel safe in their home. The Conronds say the insurance company has told them it's fine if they stay in the end of the house furthest from the hole. The weather mostly dry today and cloudy with a high of 8 Celsius. On to sport and in football, Chelsea beat Manchester City 1-0 to open up the Premier League title race. Branislav Ivanovic got the only goal of the game to move Chelsea level on points with City two behind leaders Arsenal. Boss Jose Mourinho is still insisting, though, his side aren't in the title race. I think maybe Arsenal is happier than us because now they are top of the league and they play City at the Emirates. So maybe now Arsenal feels they are, they
25: are the favourites for the, for the title. We go behind them. We go behind them and we just
0: play and we watch and we see what, what is happening. Joe Kinnears resigned as Newcastle's director of football after less than eight months in the role. The club failed to sign a player on a permanent deal during Kinnears' spell at the club. Stevenage midfielder John Marishnio could make his first start since returning to the club last week in tonight's League One match against Gillingham. Marishnio is on loan from Preston. It's his second spell at the Lamechs. His manager, Graham Wesley, explains what he can bring to the team.
4: Moose can get goals out in the middle of the park. We've been light on goals um, this year. I think he got nine in our promotion season, I might be wrong, but uh, including the, the winner at Old Trafford. Um, he'll get out in the middle of the park and he'll get goals. He's a fantastic athlete. Um, a really rangy runner, really, um, really athletic player.
0: In rugby, England wing Johnny May is fit to play in Saturday's Six Nations game against Scotland, despite breaking his nose in the defeat by France. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. I'll be back with a full bulletin at nine. Across beds, hearts and bucks.
4: This is Ian Lee.
3: BBC Three Counties Radio.
2: Morning, dear listener. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. If you want to give me a call, 0845... I saw got going again. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. Lots to cram in between now and uh, JVS at nine o'clock. What are we talking about? We're talking about Bank Coppers. Uh, incredible story of a, a traffic officer who stopped people and uh, took cash off them to stop them getting points. Well, he's been... Um, uh, he's been uh, sent down, I believe. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the uh, telephone. I've got an email here, Ian. I've just listened to your interview with Roger Seaborn. I agree with him that the number of bent coppers in the police force needs to be put in perspective. The few that commit crimes give the honest majority a bad reputation. Well, that's 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 their problem. That's not my problem. I was pleased to see that the Stevenage officer was rightly jailed for his crimes. I thought you were unnecessarily rude to Mr Seaborne, who was obviously trying to make a point before you spoke over him and then cut him off. I would, like to have, I would have liked to have heard what he thought about Hillsborough. Well, he said it happened a long time ago, so it doesn't matter. If you want to know what he thinks about it, why don't you send him an email and I'm um, sure... He'll talk to you uh, about it. On the subject of going bald, Jane's in Ellsbury. Morning, Jane. Good morning, Ian. I'll get my wrist slapped for the way I spoke to Roger, but to be honest, I don't you mind. probably
11: will.
2: <laughs> I probably will, Jane. Yeah. I, have, I often get my wrist slapped. Well, these things happen. Jane, what have you got for us?
11: Right. Um, I was going thin on top, um, and I went to the doctor and said, oh, it's genetic. Oh. I wasn't happy with that. No. So I went to a health food shop. Yes. And I, I also read through a book that if you didn't eat, If you have sea kelp, copper, and zinc, you take these, um, and your hair grows back, and my hair's growing back.
2: Permission to speak freely. Go on. I don't believe you. You don't believe. I don't believe that works. What you eat? Sea kelp, copper, and zinc. Yes. And your hair grows back. Yes. Political reporter Paul Scowens, have you ever heard anything like this?
30: There's loads of mumbo jumbo out there about healthy, and that's
2: what I'm saying. But he's the political correspondent, Jane. And he would never get involved with, with these faddy, hair-cure, weight-loss things, would you, Paul? No. I'm <laughs> no need. No. I mean, the, the 5-2 diet's oh. not a fad, is it, Paul? I
11: promise you, my hairdresser has noticed I have got new hair growing. And well, I have... Know. Sorry, that's that.
30: No, no, I'm just—I'm I'm saying that's great. That's—that's. That's, I, I, is it any? Can can it be proven to be part of kelp? Do, do you think? Is there any evidence for that?
11: Um, let's put it this way: um, within weeks of me taking sea kelp, copper, and zinc, new hair started to grow back.
30: And were you, did, did anything else change in your life at the time?
11: Um. No, I, I'd had surgery, um, so I was stressed out from that. Ah, uh,
30: but, well, but were you less stressed after that surgery?
11: Yeah, yes, but um, the, the doctor still said it was genetic, something to do with my granddad, um, uh. and I wasn't happy with that, so I re- read through this book, and it does actually work. So if anybody's um, speculating about trying to use it, it's not... It's not worth um, giving out, uh, you know, if you have a go and it works, yeah. you know, why well,
2: not? Well, Jane, you, you withstood a very tough questioning from a gentleman who has um, interviewed not only Ed Miliband, but also also the Prime Minister. He's probed them and he, he beat them. He couldn't beat you, Jane. I couldn't. Well done, Jane. You've passed. You're through to the next round. We'll speak more on it later. <laughs> Paul Scoyne's a political reporter. Uh, you're a potholer. Well, I've done it once. Have you? Really? Yeah. It sounds awful. It's brilliant. Why is it brilliant? Sell it to me.
30: Okay, well, apart from the fact that it's terrifying in that way that makes you feel brilliant afterwards, uh, it, it is It is just quite extraordinary. I went to, it was years ago, uh, I went to somewhere in Wales and I had to lower myself on a rope into this... Sinkhole, uh, like you were saying earlier on, oh, um, except uh, the sinkhole was about forty foot deep. So first of all, that you know, there's that moment of stepping over the edge, which is you know, it's like something that Indiana Jones would do.
2: Indiana Jones.
30: Um, Indiana Jones. Is he related he, to Indiana Jones? You might have seen his work. Yes. Um, did you have a Did you have a big hat and a whip? I didn't have a whip. No, um, but but once you, once you're underground, everything goes. You know, your sense of smell is totally different. The, the, you know, the, the level of dark is is you've not experienced anything as dark as that. Yes, honest.
2: you have to crawl through tiny cracks though, and I yeah. with water, it's all wet. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, there no.
30: was this moment where we were in and we were having, and the the, the guide with us said, "Oh, you need to hold on to this." This rope. and There was a, a ledge, with, uh, you know, with some rope, and um, mm-hmm. we didn't know it was a ledge. Of course, we were just holding onto the rope, and he, and, and he said, "Don't, don't step left. You probably, probably don't want to do that." And we, but, but I should add that we'd had our lights switched off, so we we're doing it in complete black. Why would you it, do
2: that? Like when, if someone in a dark tunnel says, "Hold this," and you you <coughs> can't see anything, I'd be very suspicious. I, I'd, I'd do
30: what they said, to be yeah. honest. Uh, and and um, then then we had to switch the lights on. And there was literally a bottomless drop down there. <laughs> <laughs> it was ridiculous. And then when we surfaced, honestly, I could smell everything. I could smell the, 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 the soiling of your on the trousers. Trees, the, the soiling of my trousers, the grass Aren't on you? the floor, the floor. How much does this cost to do? I don't know. I, I, my, my mum and dad sort it <laughs> out.
2: Do you not think maybe they were try- trying to get rid of you or something? <laughs> I've, uh, I've not considered that. No, okay. Well, don't consider it too much. You'll, you'll go mad.
30: So uh, I'm going to book some for us now, anyway. I'm just on the website, the British Caving Association.
2: Do you know what, Scoines? Yeah? Book it. We want to do this? Book it. Do you want to yeah. do it? Yeah, I want to do it. I want to do it. So I get in touch with the Gloucester
30: Tools Society. Are they Greek? I think it might be. Yeah, they do nice cofters. Yeah, let, uh, let's do it. OK. All right. Yeah.
2: I'm up for that. All right, fine. OK. Uh, 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 yeah, I mean... Can we count it as work? Because I can probably claim it back then. Yes, that definitely. We can. We've got a nice... Book it. Seriously, I'm in. All right. We've okay. got a nice text about you, Paul. Really? Um, it's um, anonymous, so I don't know um, who it's from. Get the number. That's all. OK. Paul scoreings was on BBC One Look East last night. Is, yeah. this, is this correct? It's true. Okay,
30: I did. I, I did my live debut.
2: Oh, well done! How did you feel? Terrified. Good for you. I was totally if shocked. This is you seriously? It's not me. If this is you, do, do you need to get that? I don't have your home phone number. Yeah, but I kind of think you might. Well, I don't. You've got that sort of. Honestly, that's not me. <clears throat> Hello.
30: Ah. It's you indirectly, though, right? This has got to stop.
2: I was totally shocked. (laughs) (laughs) Did you just call that number randomly? As I always believed, he was an awful lot older by the sound of his voice. Uh. Very pleasant viewing. Be still, my beating heart. (laughs) (laughs)
31: <laughs>
30: see, I'll get my comments from the cake. <laughs> Thank you
4: Paul, see you later Bye
3: Across beds, hearts and bucks
4: This is Ian Lee
3: BBC Three Counties
2: Radio So it turns out I'm going potholing <laughs> I'm going potholing. How did that happen? Dean's at
26: Milton Keynes. Morning, Dean. Good morning, Ian. You How been, are you doing? Uh, fine. Have you ever been potholing? Um, I've been caving. We went um, in uh, Southern Ireland and um, we, we went to some caves there. They're absolutely magnificent.
2: Now what's the difference between caving and potholing? Do, do you not have to climb through a tight crack?
26: I, I think in Port you would, you would do that, but right. uh, I, I wasn't very keen on doing that. But yeah. the, this this complex of caves in Southern Ireland, I mean, it was quite narrow passageways. Yeah, but it was well worth going down and having a look. What what's down there? It's just
2: like wet rock, isn't it?
26: Um, we got to a cavern where there was lots of like stalactites, stalagmites, and um, they'd put some lights in there, which made it all very pretty and romantic. So it was it was quite nice. <laughs> <down there. laughs>
2: <laughs> How can a cave be romantic?
26: Oh, it, it, was, it was magic. It was, I mean, yeah. it's quite, quite, quite nice to go down there. It's worth... If you're ever in Southern Ireland, and, uh, there, there are quite a few areas in there where there are cave networks to go down and have a look. Uh,
2: I do like the idea of caves. I, I, I do find them, yes, quite exciting, but also a bit scary. Bats and things. Did you see any bats?
26: No. If you, if you want to make a start, go just go to the Hellfire Caves in Wickham. Oh. Uh, that's, a, that's a good start. Oh, that's a good idea, actually, yeah. yeah.
2: I, I haven't done that since I was a little boy. I should do that. Dean, I appreciate your call. Thank you. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. So I've signed up to go potholing. Catherine, do you want to come potholing with me no. and Scoins? Sorry?
5: No, I really don't. I can't bear it. I right. can't bear the thought of it being closed in.
2: Yeah, with, with me and Scoins?
5: That's an additional <laughs> peril. So you'll come then? No, I know. I oh, no, it makes me feel funny just thinking... Oh, it makes
2: me... F- it. I've, I'm feeling uncomfortable. My, my buttocks are virtually turned in the, inside themselves. Like they're so clenched. I do not want
5: to
7: be hemmed in like that. Kelly? Yeah, I'll do it.
2: But I mean, you're tiny, though, so going through a tight crack would seem like, uh, you know, walking through a doorway for you.
7: That doesn't even make sense. Surely a doorway would be big for me if I'm tiny. Hello? So,
2: <laughs> Kelly... <laughs> I can't believe we phoned up his house phone. And <laughs> <laughs> what a
10: muppet. I'm going to do it again.
2: Yes. So, Kelly's coming, Catherine.
5: No. What? I don't care. Enjoy, what? enjoy. I'll hold your bags.
2: I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll, we'll go down there. If we take a microphone, then we can write it off on expenses. Thanks, guys, for paying for that, dear listener. Um, me, uh, you... Um, sorry, what was your name?
15: It's Kelly.
2: Thank you. Uh, Paul Scoines, Delia will be up for it. Yeah. And Kath. No, I'm
5: not coming.
2: The breakfast crew will go down a hole. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? No. But what if I said you had to do it? Uh. Otherwise, there'll be repercussions.
5: No. Do you have to do it? You're not the boss of me.
2: Mm, she technically she's right. Um, technically she's absolutely right 81333, start your text 3CR Two things, the sinkhole, says Bob in High Wycombe At Walter's Ash, I heard that a hole Had appeared at a house at the top of Braddenham Hill About 20 years ago So it's not a unique occurrence The second bit is, if you fancy going down a possible cause of sinkholes Then visit Grimes Graves Prehistoric Flint Mines Hey kids, what are we doing today daddy We're going to Grimes Graves Prehistoric Flint Mines Yay! In Norfolk. They're brilliant. And you can take your boys down with you. Do you know what? The boys would love something like that, actually. They would love... uh, Because boys... I don't know so much about girls. Boys love caves and tunnels and things like that. Wookie Hole. Where's Wookie Hole? Is that in the southwest somewhere? Wookie Hole. I remember going down, down there at some point and being terrified by it can't quite remember why I was terrified of wearing this. It's in the southwest somewhere, isn't it? In Somerset round that way. Anyway, I don't know. It's near Wells, OK, which is near Glastonbury, Wells Cathedral. I one, once went to um, a Christian barn dance. We gatecrashed a Christian barn dance in Wells, and uh, my friend has only got one hand. And when we all had to do-si-do, all the Christians were freaked out. Shame on them. 08459 double five five double five is the phone number. Last 15 minutes of the show. We'll speak to uh, Justin in a little bit as well. We sent him out to try and find happy bald men. Be honest, bald men. Uh... <sighs> You're not as happy as you'd like to be. And if someone came up to you and said, look, I can cure your baldness, not with kelp, not with copper and zinc, but a simple medical
4: injection to the head, you'd go for it, wouldn't you? Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs.
7: BBC Three Counties Radio. On the speed sensors, things looking very slow around High Wycombe, the A404 southbound, that's after the Handycross roundabout, approaching Marlow, looking very slow, going between Radlett and Park Street, the temporary traffic lights in Coney Street are making things slow, and the A41 southbound really struggling between the Hemel-Hempstead turn-off and the M25 Junction 20 for Kings Langley. On the N25 itself, anti clockwise is very slow around 17 for Maple Cross, and public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Cross at BBC Three Counties Radio.
2: Alice, I, I feel that you're part of our team, uh, even more so than uh, that chance that Adam Glynn was. Do you want to come down uh, some potholes with, with me and the guys? That sounds fantastic. That's quite an offer. <laughs> so that's a yeah, we can put your name down? Definitely. Alice, we'll speak to you soon. Alice is coming, Catherine. Alec, you going to come? You, gonna, you fancy coming now? Okay, bye. Sorry? Bye. Oh, dear, how rude. How rude. 8.46. It's Tuesday the 4th of February. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A former Hertfordshire policeman is starting a 12-month jail sentence for fining motorists and pocketing the cash. A woman from Newport Pagnell is asking the High Court for more time to conceive her dead husband's children. In football, Chelsea achieved a 1-0 victory against Manchester City, putting them on level points. 08 459 455 555. Let's get the latest weather now. Here's Kate. Beds, hearts and bucks weather.
4: BBC Three Counties Radio.
15: Good morning. One or two showers working their way through parts of Buckinghamshire at the moment. Some of them quite heavy, but between them, some blue sky and some sunshine. These showers are moving northward, so we may get one or two more through the course of the morning. But they won't last forever, and we should get some brighter spells later on this afternoon again. The maximum temperature up to 8 Celsius. Now, the wind will start to pick up as we head through the afternoon. The Met Office has issued a yellow weather warning for very strong winds overnight tonight. That moves in around midnight and continues to 11 o'clock tomorrow night, so this wind is a long-term thing, at least for the, 20, the next 24 hours or so anyway. Now we could fit gusts of between 50-60 miles per hour, perhaps more for a time, but also it's accompanied by some heavy rainfall too. That's going to move through the middle part of the night and then turn shower again by dawn tomorrow morning. For tomorrow, some frequent heavy showers and also gale force winds, so a vet, very wet and windy Wednesday on the way. Um, maximum temperature for tomorrow around 9 Celsius, 48 degrees in Fahrenheit height and that's your forecast. Thank you very much. If you've got a problem with a company, a
22: council, or an organisation... Get this roofing company round, see if they can fix the problem, and I'll pay the bill.
3: We said, yeah, I did say that. The JVS show fights for your rights.
22: This conversation went round and round and round. And tackles your consumer problems. So, Roy, the question is, has he paid the bill?
17: Yes, Auntie he was standing there and he handed me an envelope. So I just opened the envelope and I looked inside of it. There's a cheque for £120 and that's
3: it. If you need our help, email... JVS show at bbc.co.uk
22: Are you happy? Yes, I'm quite happy. I will give him my fanfare, my horn
3: and any other problems, Roy, you know where I am. The JVS Show, weekdays from nine. BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bucks.
4: This is Ian Lee.
3: BBC Three Counties Radio.
2: Gary's in South Oxy. Morning, Gary. Morning, Ian.
25: What do you got for me, Gary? Oh, I was just basically saying, um, I just heard a of your conversation about potholing. Oh, yeah? I was just wanted to know if you wanted to hear a little story about potholing. I'd love to hear a little. Do you know anyone who's got a story about potholing? Yeah, me and personally. Oh, oh th- that's a coincidence. Let's have it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, basically, you know, we went potholing once when I was younger in the school, right? Yeah. Down in Cheddar Gorge. Beautiful. And, um, so while we was there, another school trip was there, and some, some of that young lad, he actually fell down one of the, uh um, poles, and cracked his hip. Oh, oh, really? And the bloke who was, uh, the bloke who took us, like, the, the member of the staff, he was a qualified, uh, mountain and caving rescuer. Yeah. So he went and gave him a hand. And I know he's gone for hours, but he actually made it on that 9-9 program. Oh. No, the 999 programme years ago. Oh, with Michael Actually. Burke? Uh, no, Alistair, was it Alistair? Alistair McGowan? Yeah, him, that's him, that's one, yeah. The Impressionist? No, 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 not McGowan, That's not Alistair, the other one.
2: That's Alistair McGowan?
25: No, um, he's also done Police Camera Action. Oh, um, Alistair Campbell? Alistair Campbell,
2: that's it, yeah. The, the, the um, former uh, Labour spin chief? That's him. Yep.
25: okay. Yeah, yeah. he actually, actually made it on that programme. Were
2: you not terrified
25: being on 999? No, I was on 999. Oh. Well, hang on a second, but who was on 999? The, the young lad from another school who's actually done in the same time when we was there. So did you meet Alistair Sims? No, I didn't actually meet him, no, but I remember all the, all the helicopters flying above us and all that lot, yeah. And so Alistair, um, Alistair Campbell was on a helicopter. I'm really confused, Gary. Alistair- no, no, no. He, Alistair Campbell wasn't on the helicopter. He's done, he done the programme 999, doesn't he? Yes. And what I'm saying is... Or was it Alistair accident- Darling? No, not Alistair Darling. No. Alistair Campbell... He done. He done the uh, present. Um, he was the presenter of that program. Ali yeah?
2: Campbell the, from UB40. He was, and he was in a helicopter. And he re- well, he rescued the, the lead singer from UB40. No, he he did, rescued a lad with a no, broken he, hip.
25: No, no, he didn't rescue him. He was presenting the program Nine Nine Nine. Alistair Cook. No, not Alistair Cook. He done police camera action. Yeah, that was Alistair Cook. I think wasn't it? Alistair Cook, was it. Oh, it might have been then. Yeah, I know he got done once. String he? Yeah, himself, yeah. No that, like...
2: Alistair. no, that wasn't. No, that wasn't. to Cook was it? Uh, was it Fred Alistair?
25: Oh, he, I don't know. He the
2: done dancer. the moves as
25: well. Did, he, he, did,
2: he did all the moves. That's got be the done. dancer, Fred Alistair. We,
25: oh, he was married to Ginger Rogers. Might have been. I don't know. So I let don't me don't guess
2: You G- lost me now, yeah? You've lost me, Gary. Let me let me focus on this for a second. You're telling me. When you are on a school trip, a yeah. lad fell down in a pothole and Ginger yeah. Rogers rescued him. No, he didn't rescue him. He used to do a programme called 999. No, he did um, Singing in the Rain, didn't he, And Top Hat and Tails. <laughs> Who are we talking about here?
25: T- I don't know, his name's Alistair something. Fred Alistair. No, Alistair something. You don't please camera action. Oh, uh,
2: you know, we're
25: all over the shop here.
2: We're talking about Alistair McGowan, aren't we?
25: Alistair McCoyst. No, he's he's, he's an impressionist,
2: isn't he? Not not him. Alistair McCoyst. Alistair McCoyst. That was him. Ali McCoyst. No, he's a football player. No, no, no. You're thinking of Ali McCoyst.
25: Oh, yeah. Alistair McCoyst, then. Yeah. I swear, Brian, he was on the wind up for Uh, a minute there. No, I'm
2: not. I'm not on the wind-up, mate. I'm trying to get to the oh, bottom right. of this story. All oh, right, OK. So, well, Ali, Ali McCoyst rescued a, a blind child who'd broken his no,
25: hip. He, no, he didn't. He didn't rescue him. What's he got he to do with it, ed- then? He's a footballer. No, not him. Not Ali McCoyst, the footballer. Alistair McCoyst. You
2: just said Ali McCoyst. No, not Ali McCoyst. Alistair McCoyst. I don't think Ali McCoyst can fly a helicopter.
25: No, I don't know if he can fly a helicopter. No, I, don't no, I don't know. I don't know. Well, what I'm trying to say is, Alistair, whoever you... Alistair, 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 M- Alistair McGowan No, he's an impressioner, isn't he? No, you're thinking of Ali McCoyce, the footballer no, I'm not, no, no, I'm not So, Ali M- Alistair Sim Alistair Sim, no I can't remember his name now You've lost me here It's, it's, it's Mackenzie, um, somebody Alistair McKenzie That was it The golf course designer no, 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 no. Was the kid all right in the end? <laughs> yeah, he did. He, 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 like, managed to get him out in the end, yeah, but it took about four or six well, hours. I, I, to I, think,
2: I think it is... We, we, listen, on a serious note, it really is good to applaud the uh, the bravery of people like Fred Alastair and Ginger Rogers for saving kids like that from potholes. Thanks for bringing it to our attention.
25: <laughs> oh, God. They presented the programme.
3: Across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Ah. Radio.
12: Justin Dealey's in the house. Hey, you are (laughs) naughty, but I like you.
2: you. Justin, bald people are not happy. We know that to be a fact (laughs) and if they were presented with the option of having their hair restored, they would all go for it.
12: Absolutely. This uh, new jab in the Daily Mail today saying you know, forget hair transplants, have this jab and your hair will grow back. Um, You've been talking to men this morning. They're all in denial, aren't they? They are in denial. I'm bald and I'm happy. Come on guys, if you were offered that jab, of of course you would take it. Yep. I've been talking to bald men this morning. I've even found a bald man with a ponytail. Ooh. Yes, there's even a dedicated Facebook page for that, which uh, reads, I hate bald men who wear ponytails. So I've been speaking to uh, bald men this morning in Bedfordshire, and uh, here's what happened. Dave, you lost your hair when you were quite young. Ian sent me out this morning to ask bald men whether you're bitter and twisted. Are you bitter and twisted? No. You're quite happy being bald? Oh, I'm quite happy. <laughs> Don't worry me. Do the ladies love it? Well, we wife does. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all that matters. That's all that matters to me. I'm oh, oh, cool. quite happy. If you could have a jab and it gave you hair, would you take it? No, quite happy as I am. Honestly? Honestly. I'm quite happy as I am. I look like I am now, so... Um, sometimes, does your wife tend to, to slap your head? Oh, yeah. Slap it, kiss it. Sometimes she draws or it with her lipstick, I'm not worried. It's... <laughs> she puts lipstick on your bald head? Yeah, I'm just happy and fun, you know, that's how I am. What sort of things is she putting on your head? Oh, draws... rude things? Funny faces and all that, you know. I'm quite happy, quite happy, married and everything is a laugh. So, w- when she puts these things on your head with her lipstick, would you then walk off and, and go shopping? Would you go out in public like that? I don't want to bother me. Sandra, bald men, do you find them sexy?
10: I have to say that because my husband's bald.
12: <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Now, when did your husband lose his hair?
10: Twenty-one. So very young, but it didn't bother us.
12: So he's not bitter. He's not twisted.
10: <laughs> yeah, but not because of his hair. <laughs> right.
12: Morning, madam, from uh, Ian Lee's show. Do you like slappers? I like well. John. Good morning. Good morning. Are you well? Oh, I'm very well, thank you. Now, obviously, this is radio, so our listeners can't see you. I'm going to describe you, okay? Yep. So you're bald on top. Yep. But um, you've got a ponytail round the back. I have indeed. Yes. Okay. Are you happy being bald?
28: Yes, no problem at all. Yeah, it doesn't bother me. I've been like it for 20-odd years, so, you know, why, why change now? I'm in my well, 60s, so...
12: I can give you an injection, and it's going to make all of your hair grow back, so you can have a full head of hair, and you can still keep the ponytail. Would you take it?
28: No, because people wouldn't recognise me.
12: I mean, it's quite a unique look to have a bald head, but a ponytail. Um, why do you do that?
28: uh, It stems from years ago. I used to be uh, a biker years ago, and we always used to have long hair then. And I've just carried on from then. I just uh, never grow up, I don't suppose.
12: So you don't feel like the world owes you a favour. You're not bitter and twisted. You're bald and you're happy.
2: I'm as happy as Larry. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Mick Fleetwood, isn't it? Mick Fleetwood is a bald man with a ponytail. Not a good look, if you ask me, but there you go. That man was uh, certainly happy in his words. James uh, has emailed, I've been bald since I was 18. I can honestly say I am the most grumpy person I've ever met. <laughs> I've had stuff rubbed on my head, stuff rubbed in my head, stuff shoved in my mouth so that it goes up to my head, and I'm still a complete chrome dome. <laughs> my wife is Chinese, so you can imagine the amount of different herbal soups and remedies and sticks and leaves and twigs and God knows what else I've had to drink in various soup forms. Mm. Those China- Listen, China, let me tell you something. Your medicine, it don't work. <laughs>
12: It don't work. You can't sit down and, uh, and enjoy some soup and expect your hair to grow. <laughs> it's not going <laughs> to happen. Ca- I've had that Chinese medicine. That ain't enjoyable. It's, <laughs>
2: you're just eat- drinking dirt. <laughs> hey, Justin, quickly before we go, hmm. uh, we're having a little works outing that yeah. Paul Scoins is arranging. Uh, do you fancy coming along? Absolutely. So, it's potholing. Yeah. Potholing, you're coming? Yes, absolutely. So, you're coming. Scoins is coming. Kelly Betts is coming.
12: Catherine Boyle, are you coming? Nope. Why? Don't like it Even J-Dog's coming Yeah, come on It's Annie Campbell coming <laughs> All the Alistair's are coming Fred <laughs>
2: Alistair, they're all coming When Fantastic. you get
5: rescued by Ginger Rogers Don't come crying to me
2: <laughs> <laughs> Catherine, come
5: on no, I really don't like the idea of it
2: Come on No She's actually You know when you, you, you're having a joke with someone And they start to get properly a little bit angry I'm not Ooh.
5: angry, I'm just not doing it
2: You see? <laughs> Why? That. Come on, stop being boring
5: Boring or realistic. Come on. If I go in there, I'll get wedged.
2: Can I just say, if one of us falls down and breaks their hip and we're recording it, that is definite Sony gold. Uh, Okay, well,
5: I'll um, clap you as you go up.
2: Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Justin, excellent (laughs) stuff. Speak to you tomorrow. Cheers, boss.
4: Cheers, my dears. There we go. Right, let's get the travel with Alice. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs.
7: BBC Three Counties Radio. The M1 London bound slow going between 6 for Brickettwood and 5 for Watford, and the M25 anti-clockwise is still struggling around junction 17 for Maple Cross. On the speed sensors heading from Wadston to Aylesbury, the A41 southbound is slow approaching the centre of town. Public transport, though, all looking good with no reported problems. I'm Alice at BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice,
2: thank you very much indeed. Excellent work as always. That's it, that's your lots. Don't forget there is a podcast of this show. Don't worry, Alistair will be in the podcast, I imagine, this week. If you want to go and uh, see what we are up to last week. Last week was quite uh, emotional, actually. it was. Uh, we were talking a lot about Matt. And uh, if you missed earlier on the sad news that Matt's wife, Margaret, has passed away. Which is very sad, but you can hear more about that in the podcast. Go to iTunes and type in Ian Lee, or you can go to the BBC Three Counties uh, website. JBS is up next. Until six tomorrow from me. Ta-ta. Local and vocal across beds, hearts
3: and bucks.
4: This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning.
22: Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Tuesday, and on today's Big Phone-In, I'm asking, do
27: you think children should go to school when they're two? The school's minister, Liz Truss.